Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 99 at Sifted.net and Sifted Games. We are one episode away from the milestone episode 100. I think everything is lining up perfectly, Matt, for us to have like a big blowout episode 100 in conjunction with the launch of the Patreon. Oh, that's a good the, timing. Yeah, the timing is lining up like perfectly. Uh, the Patreon the Labor is, Day celebration. Yeah, well, it's next weekend Labor Day? Labor Day weekend, yeah. Is it? Yeah, I think. No, yeah, I think that's... the first weekend of September. No. No, I guess it is. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, big show coming for 100. We're probably going to do it on Saturday or Sunday of next weekend instead of Friday. Sam gets back, like, Thursday night. We don't want him to have to come in and do a show, like, the next day. And there's a lot of stuff we want to get done because we're going to do some different stuff for episode 100. I'm not going to blow it, but it's going to be something different. Um, Even I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Patreon is going really well. It is nearing completion. Uh, there's going to be a lot of testing that has to be done. Probably the biggest kinks in the whole process is making sure that what people contribute on Patreon translates over to sifted.net so that they're getting what they're supposed to get from what they're contributing on the Patreon. So that stuff's going really well. It's almost finished. Brent is cranking along on that stuff. And like I said, it, the timing I don't think could be per better for episode 100 to fall with the launch of our Patreon. So it's coming very soon, guys. Very excited about it. Matt, one thing I'm not especially excited about this year... Oh, look at that segue. ...is uh, <laughs> Gamescom 2017. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a very laid-back Gamescom. It has. Um, it's interesting. I actually look at the data, though, and data-wise, we've curated almost double already mm -hmm. what we curated from Gamescom last year. There's been a lot of new information about things we already know about. There hasn't been a lot of bombshells. Yeah, I mean, it's just been like, here's even more media of this game. Here's mm -hmm. this new feature from this game. Here is an expansion here's, coming for this here's game. Here's another 45-minute demo of Star Citizen on top of the one we showed last year that you still haven't seen the update for. That demo they put out today of Star Citizen was pretty impressive, There's though. some pretty cool stuff in there. But, yeah. Uh, it's I think still, it yeah. might actually be released. Remember, the demo they showed last year was supposed to come out in, <laughs> right. in December. Right, yeah. So we're a year later. At least they're doing something. It's not, I mean, it's there. <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever else you can say, it's there, and it looks good. And, yeah. it, you know, if I, I, and it feels like a more... Um, uh, if someone, like, wanted No Man's Sky with a little more realism to it, there's, yeah. a, there's definitely that element to the planet, like, landing and the seamlessness yeah. of it. It's like, it, it feels like it's getting that... Plus, like, you know, the, the messing with the spaceship stuff a little bit. Because Elite Dangerous, while I like it, it's sort of a, a throttle babysitting simulator. Yeah. And, like, this feels like a little more like Wing Commander, except you can do whatever you want. But we'll see if it ever makes it out. Yeah, but I was surprised because, I, like you, I was like, man, where's all the news from Gamescom? Like, we've mm -hmm. been doing the Big Six every day. And some of the stories we've had to put in the Big Six as the six biggest stories of the day, <laughs> like, we're stretching for them. Like, this is Gamescom. Like, mm -hmm. we shouldn't be stretching for news to do the Big Six. It was easier the week before Gamescom. We had six big stories every day, no problem. So it's been interesting to watch. But again, we've curated already double. There's still, like, three days left of Gamescom. I'm about to die, by the way, because mm -hmm. the way Gamescom works is I get up in the morning... And there's some stuff from overnight or whatever. And then I get all that stuff done. I go on and I work on other stuff. And then at midnight Pacific is when Gamescom starts. Mm -hmm. And so at midnight, you get this huge rush of media that comes in. And uh, that lasts until like 4 in the morning. So I'm staying up till like 4 in the morning, sleeping 4 or 5 hours, getting up at 8 or 9 to get on this stuff. Because what happens is after Gamescom ends, like IGN stage show starts posting all the archives of all the stuff that they did live. And... It's just been nonstop all day, all week, and there's still like 
two or three days left of it. So I'm ready for Gamescom to go, <laughs> but not before we talk about it here on Game Face, which we're going to do right now. So I just want—I think we have what eight or nine bullet points here. Mm-hmm. The big—the really big stuff, if there is such a thing from this year's show. There's some good things. Yeah. But... First thing we want to talk about is what kicked everything off, which was the Xbox. You can't really call it a press conference. It was yeah, like more a, of a display. I don't even know what that was. Like really, dance. really mm-hmm. weird to have that little dinky studio there to do its big press event. Yeah, it didn't, we'll it didn't it. feel Epic. big at yeah, all. It didn't it just, at all. It's, the, like, it's like going to someone's apartment yeah, and seeing their Xbox. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the hosts for it were like, like the main host was, is fine. He does mm. a lot of stuff for Xbox. But like the other two, like the one kind of new games, but was kind of casual. And the other one you could tell really new games, but just couldn't really communicate very well. It was mm. just a very awkward display, yeah. I guess, for lack of a better term. More or less awkward than the uh, the game changers in the EA E3 yeah, press conference. Yeah, it's, it's in that in that realm. I, not in the realm, but the game changers were way worse. Yeah, I think we can both agree on that. But uh, they announced pre-orders for Xbox One X. That really was the big story from yeah. Xbox press conference, and we all knew about it already. It had leaked a couple days before that that was going to happen, um, so it was kind of anticlimactic. But at the end, they did release the pre-orders for Xbox One X. Um, seems to be selling pretty well. Yeah. It, it keeps selling Better out. Than I thought. I mean, it sells out pretty quick on pre-orders, which you know we don't know how many they're putting up at a time. But yeah, I you know if you'd asked me before when they you know maybe E3 time, I would have thought like there would never be a moment where the pre-orders are sold out until yeah. like much closer to launch. Right. But um, yeah. yeah and again, it, the caveat I, there is they could just be giving Amazon a hundred thousand units or yeah. fifty thousand, or we we just don't know. Yeah, but they are know. selling out. Whatever Microsoft is giving retailers, they are selling out pretty. Yeah, quickly. I think the, the Wario sixty four tweeted tweeted it. It was up on Amazon again this morning, and it was gone within two hours. That's not bad. So it's all right. In comparison to something we're going to talk about a little later in the show, though, yeah. not as not quite as impressive. Um, Although much more expensive. Yes, much more expensive, which makes a big difference. Looking at what, I mean, really wasn't this kind of Microsoft's last chance to sell Xbox One X before it goes yeah, on and sale? Yeah, I mean, it felt like it didn't have anything to say. You know, it was just yeah. like, well, I mean, if you like cars, we've got... Also, they've shoved these really invasive ads into Forza Horizon 3 yeah. uh, for, like, a lot of buy now, Forza 7, Forza 7. Yeah. And then they strangely, like, focused on that ReCore Definitive Edition where it's like... So your your big argument here is that like, hey, it's a year later and we finished it. Play it. Yeah. It's just like that's what you got. That's all you got. And like, when that's all you got, they, you got to show it. And though. they did a whole lot of like um, younger like younger audience stuff. They did like a lot of the Disney thing, and like there was yeah. a lot. And it was like, is this how you're selling your 4K system? It's like for like the eight year olds who just can't take the 2K checkerboarding anymore <laughs> on their PS4 Pro. Like, is that like like? I, I just didn't know... It felt like they were just showing everything they had because that's all they had. Yeah, and it, you're right. That's the point, is that that was all it had. And in my opinion, it's not enough. I mean, look, there are, let's say, 10 million hardcore Xbox fans out there. Mm-hmm. They're going to snatch these consoles up no matter what. So it's not that big of a surprise to me that they sell them pretty well. Yeah. It's just like what we're the point we're getting to with the Switch right now, where the fans have it, now it's prove-it time. And we'll see if Nintendo can continue that momentum. By the way, first week in Japan since the Switch came out, Switch was outsold by PlayStation 4. Starting to see maybe a little bit of softness there, although I think that's Starting still to slow down. I think that's still a supply issue though, because somewhat, but it's also because there's nothing to buy it for that you haven't already seen. You know, I think I think that'll heat up a little bit when Mario Rabbids shows up and 
when Mario Odyssey shows up, you won't be able to find one again. Yeah, but Dragon Quest Eleven come out in Japan, obviously, is a big deal. Yeah. So. But again, like, you know, I've seen neon Joy-Con switches in targets on the Oh, yeah, I mean, they're now, all over so. the U.S. right now. They're so not they're, hard uh, to get now yeah, they're, they're, but, but I don't think that's going to last. Yeah. So I, think, I think when holidays shopping oh, yeah, yeah. kicks up, they're going to disappear again. So well, if you want one, get one now. Yeah, I would say go get one right now. Just go to your local store. Most of you, I'm thinking, can mm. probably just find one at your local stores right now if you do a nice. I know a few people who have, who have you know done exactly what I think Nintendo needs to happen. Is like they're not super huge gamers. They're not crazy Nintendo fans, but they were walking through Target or whatever, and they saw one and they're like, oh yeah, I wanted one of those, so they picked yeah. it up. And like yep. that's what Nintendo needs, or like kind of the, the civilians to see like, oh yeah, that I want that, and they and they get it. You know, yep. and that'll happen more as you come to Christmas, but like. The fact that that's happening now that they're available widely on shelves in, a, in the U.S., I think is a very positive sign for the system. How disappointed were you that the only new Xbox exclusive that was shown at Gamescom was Jurassic Park <laughs> Explorer? Is that what it's called? Uh, something like that. It's like <laughs> Doesn't matter. Jurassic Park, Park Builder... <laughs> 20, 2018, yeah. basically. I mean, a lot. Um, some people are excited because it, yeah. it harkens back to a really old retro game that a lot of people yeah. got into. But and there's that mobile game that I mean, Jurassic Park park building games are are popular. Yeah. Like people like that. It's it's the thing that makes the most sense for that license, um, and it looks really nice. It's not uh, going to move a five hundred dollars yeah, console. It ain't gonna, and also, like you better believe if I get that, I'm playing it on PC. Right. Because mouse Point and click. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's. I'm sure it'll be fine with a controller, but like that's not you know. There's very few things I will play mouse and keyboard preference on, but like that's city builders RTS. and RTSs yeah. are pretty much you know, <laughs> and multiplayer shooters. Yeah. Those are those are pretty much four X games. Yeah, like anything with a lot of menus. Yeah, um, but like yeah, that was that was it was a little weak. No Crackdown um, three at all. Obviously, no. we just got the announcement we talked about last week on the show that it's been delayed into next year, yeah. but they didn't show it at all. Nothing really big on nothing much on Sea of Thieves. Nothing uh, on Sea of Thieves that I remember. Yeah, it's just you know I guess they've released four thousand developer docs in the last <laughs> couple months, so they don't really have need to say. There's anything. nothing left to say. It's like um, let's just play the game. At this uh, yeah, point. it's like if I don't want to hear anything more about that game until it's in my system, basically. Yeah, um, yeah I mean the usual Forza. So this just. But you know what? They didn't even like release a new trailer for Forza. No, it's like they know. It's like how many how many Porsches can you see drive yeah, by? Yeah. It's like, how many times can you watch a Bugatti pass you? you yeah, know, I mean, like, there's been some gameplay that's come out once the show kicked off. But in that actual event, it reused mm-hmm. all the assets it had shown before, um, which is unusual because, like, you know, last year we were talking about the trend. Like, oh, is is you know, are people gonna are the publishers gonna start like you know? backing off E3 and saving their big stuff for Gamescom and like it looked a little bit like that was happening last year and it really didn't it really didn't which makes you makes you wonder about E3 2017 yeah (laughs) in hindsight you're like wait a minute now that doesn't make any sense at all I feel like this is just generally a soft year in terms of the schedule I think the games are great though I think the games are great but like in terms of like what's down the road like looking at 2018 there's a lot of stuff in Q1 but compared to this year it's just like yeah there's some stuff like it feels like Microsoft has a really strong Q1 uh, in its back pocket, assuming everything makes it. Does it? Um, compared to the Crackdown. Q4. Well, yeah. I mean, we got Crackdown. We got... Uh, One is um, more than zero. Sea of Thieves. We got... Uh, <laughs> um, oh, there are a couple other things in there. Are there? There were. I can't remember now. I saw like, somebody made a list of like, oh, this Q1, Q1 next year is really good. Da, 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 da. I think it was Eurogamer. Yeah. Um, who also made this a very similar joke about children and checkerboarding. Oh. Uh, but I thought of it first, so I still used it. Um, you own it. But um, 
Yeah, I, I don't remember what it was, but it was. I, mean, I, look, I, I remember reading that and being like, "Yeah, that's true. It, that, that is a pretty good Q1 lineup." Uh, but I guess we'll see. I would like to see that list because I am not aware of any exclusives. Now, one thing, obviously, I mean, not compared mind, to this year's Q1. Yeah, lineup, yeah. But it's certainly better than Forza and Recore again. Yeah. Re-Recore. I mean, one thing I would say is I think some people are going to buy it, and I've even seen some people on the site sort of state this: is that they're buying Xbox One X because they want the best multi-platform version of right. games. Right, which eventually which will sense. be true. Yeah. yeah. And I, know, like, I don't even know about eventually. Like, no, I think pretty depends. much immediately it's going to be... I don't be... know about that. Like, my girlfriend really wanted to get it for uh, Assassin's Creed Origins because mm-hmm. she, loves, she loves Assassin's Creed and she loves Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> Double whammy. Right, boom. <laughs> like, she, you know. But like, you know, Ubisoft announced, like, yeah, both the PS4 Pro and the, and the Xbox One X versions are, ba- are the same. Like, they're running the same. They're not using the extra power. They get 1X on this, on this, this one, basically. Yeah. So I think it, there's going to be a little lag time on some of well, Microsoft the big did stuff. It, that is one thing we forgot to mention. Is Microsoft did announce 100 games right now mm-hmm. being enhanced, be enhanced for Xbox One X. Including Quantum Break, which really needed it. Yeah, um, it does. It'll yeah. probably make a lot of the... Uh, especially like, it, it, There'll be a lot of old, cheaper games that you can pick up and play in probably the way they should have been played. And in their best version. In the best yeah. version. Um, so but that's Quantum, good. Because it did not sell well. No. And but, so maybe some people may give it a chance because you're right; it's going to be cheaper. You can find mm-hmm. it on eBay or at a local store for twenty bucks, thirty yeah. bucks, maybe. It'll look, it'll look it'll look better. It'll run like it did. I mean, it didn't run too well on PC, depending on your right. configuration. They, there was a lot of optimization issues, but like, yeah, it'll be good. And uh, it, I mean, I don't know if it's five hundred bucks upgrade. Of good, of yeah. good. <laughs> but like, I'm thinking, you know, I'm tempted by it just to have some of those old, especially the the backwards compatibility stuff to get like Jet Set Radio Future back on back on my TV and stuff like that. It'd be nice. Yeah. But uh, it just depend. It, it might end up being one of those like impulse buys if if there's enough of them. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be the be a big hit. I'm kind of eyeing it as something I'll ask for for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like usually every year for Christmas, I ask for one big thing, and then the whole family just chips in a little bit yeah. to get me something. Pro- I mean, it's probably going to be either that or the uh, $700 uh, Lego Millennium Falcon they're going to announce Uh-oh. on September 1st. <laughs> the biggest Lego set ever made. So, uh, what letter grade would you give Microsoft for its Gamescom 2017 showing? Oh. I guess probably like a D plus. Yeah, that's about that's about right. That's about where I'm at with it too. Um, Microsoft has really just dug itself into a hole at this point with software. And yeah, I don't know. I the don't problem know what with software is it's not a hole that you can easily get yourself out of. Right. Well, especially it takes when, like, a lot of time. I mean, they have three reliable brands, and that is Forza and Halo um, and Gears. Halo and, Gears. Yeah. and Forza is cool for a certain audience and is good for showing off how pretty your hardware can make something look. Yeah. And then the other two, I don't think they're different enough to, to count as diversity in terms of your lineup. I mean, I know they're very like different games. I just like the luster games. has been knocked off of both of those franchises. And Halo, well, and also point. Halo is like, what, two years out at this point? Would That's what be they're saying. The estimate. And I mean, we will probably see another Gears next year. It's funny, though. Um, I was... Because uh, what else would the Coalition be doing? Yeah. yeah. I was searching for B-roll footage for Pactor Factor a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was watching... The E3, Microsoft's E3 press conference from, like, 2013 or something like... Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing. Yeah. It was, like, Gears, Halo, yeah. Forza. It has been using that for mm-hmm. so long. And they used to have, like, a bunch of other stuff that was sort of around it that would, like, kind of, you know, spice things stuff up. The and, Fable yeah. stuff or the... They'd have weird little games. You know, ReCore would be a fine little one-off weird game to, right. to, to boost an otherwise strong exclusive lineup. Right. But... Not something you, you market like, twice. You, right. And all, and you, but you also just saw them lean on it 
hard as an exclusive in this presentation, and it's just like... Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like that game well enough. Yeah. Uh, I will probably boot it up again when they update it, because I have the, you know, the, the update's free if you already own it. Right. Um, it. But it's like, it's still kind of disturbing that, like, part of the appeal to that is like, hey, we finished it. Like, the yeah. campaign's done now. <laughs> you can... You're going to see slight bumps for a lot of these older Xbox games mm -hmm. as people get Xbox One X. It's like what you said earlier, when they're cheaper. Yep. Two, a lot of people passed on them. Three, they're going to be begging for anything that's enhanced to show off yeah. their Xbox One I mean, X. I also, I mean, I, like, I would, pr if, you know, within Xbox One X, like, the first thing I started up might be, like, Forza Horizon 3. Yeah. Because, like, that game already, it already looks amazing. already gorgeous, yeah. And, like, <laughs> I'd like to see what it looks like enhanced for that. I mean, but again, is that a $500 it's not. No experience? No. No. So we'll, I guess we'll see. It it's, is a great racing game, though. Probably it is. one of my favorites from the last It's half really decade. good uh, if, you, if you can get around all the Forza 7 ads now. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I haven't played it for a while. I loaded it up because um, I, you know, cause I heard that they'd put ads in. I'm just like, oh, what does this look like? It's like, yeah, they're, that bad. they're, they're out there. It's like, buy now. But I'm just like, uh, do you recall that I paid like $100 for this game? Yeah. <laughs> asshole. Like, is, I bought the season pass and everything, and then you then you sold me that stupid that Hot Wheels thing for extra, which is awesome. That Hot Wheels it is awesome, is fantastic. Yeah. But it's still like, wait, that wasn't a part of the season pass? I don't you remember. You had to pay for that? I don't remember. No, it was. It was like, there was okay. that and the, and the, 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 the snow thing, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. Like, those two things was were Was it called were Avalanche or something like that? I don't that. remember. Yeah. But, like, I haven't actually played much. I haven't played that one much. Yeah. Uh, but I did play the Hot Wheels Yeah, the one, Hot Wheels That was, that was, was really awesome. cool. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some other stuff from Gamescom. Uh, some of the stuff that's come out the last couple days. Mm. Square Enix hinting that Final Fantasy XV is coming to Nintendo Switch. Well, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I mean it didn't it, say... It's very obviously going to be that mobile one. That's what I'm guessing. Like, it's too, it, like there's no way the Switch can run Final Fantasy XV it's, it's like, you know, when I'm curating every day, I can't tell you how many stories there are in our admin that is like, developer of game Y says not coming to Switch. Mm -hmm. Developer of game X says not coming to Switch. Every day. It's like three new ones. And we don't curate them because... They're like, it's a no-brainer. Like, no point, news like we, is no news. Like, we curated the first, like, few mm -hmm. where big third parties were but like, But it's like, no. yeah, Star Citizen will not be on the Switch. Like, <laughs> it's it, like... At a certain point, Far Cry 5 will not be on the Switch. You just, yeah, we get it. Like, it's just, it's not happening. So, you're right. Final Fantasy, there's no way, unless Square Enix is prepared to spend a lot of time and money... Right. Converting that engine over to, you know... Or, or did they convert that to Unreal? I can't remember. I don't remember either. Um, but I, I would bet money it's that, but, mo I mean, it's that, that mobile that, one. They have to redo all the assets in it. There's no right. way. It's Final Fantasy Fit it on a 15. Cartridge. Yeah. So Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition yeah. looks like it's coming. But here's the thing. That game actually looks kind of cool. Yeah, it looks nice. I, I like the character design. It's kind of a neat take on it. I don't Chibi. think I'd, I don't think I'd play Final it. Fantasy 15. Yeah, I don't think I'd play it because I've already played Final Fantasy 15, but like... But do you, I don't even think it's going to be like the same game just I don't in know. It, form. Well, though. it's like, it seems like it's episodic or something it like is that. Episodic, it's like 10 yeah. episodes or something. I, I, look, I don't care. Like, it's yeah. like, I did it. I did. I served my time in uh, Final Fantasy 15 jail. But if you're and, a Switch uh, owner... you're a Switch owner and you don't have the game, I guess. Uh, I mean, they look adorable. Yeah. Uh, I like the art style a lot. Yeah. Um, I might buy. I, you know, I would consider a little prompto figure if yeah. I made one. <laughs> and it looks like it has the same combat. Yeah, it looks like a like a pretty straight adaptation. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, Kingdom Hearts has that mobile game that's actually a, a fairly a faithful representation of like kind of a simpler version of the, that game. You know what this all reminds me of though is when Square Enix announced it was finally coming back to Nintendo platforms on the GameCube. 
and Final Fantasy was coming to uh, the GameCube. Crystal Cube. Chronicles. And everyone uh, was yeah. so jacked up. Oh, my God. And they were like, it's an exclusive game. And everyone was like, what could it be? What could it be? And it was like this weird like spinoff. Yep. That game is so weird. Final Fantasy, way. carry a bucket. And it was developed by like an outside studio. Mm. Was it they actually- wanted you all to have Game Boy Advances with yeah. those cables and stuff. It's, yeah. yeah. And it was fun. It was, it was. actually it was a lot weird, of fun. Though. But it was like I don't think it was what people were expecting. And I think that's when what's Square happening here. Square said exclusive here. Final Fantasy game for GameCube. Yeah, and I think we're getting kind of the same thing here with Switch. I'm not saying future Square Enix games aren't going to come to Switch. I just think mm-hmm. in this case that's probably what we're getting. So yeah, the, the number of people assuming they meant like you know the PS4 version is coming to Switch was amusing to me. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that's that's not what never going to happen. What they meant. No way. Uh, Fear Effect is coming back. A remaster of Fear Effect. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was surprised. By that, and this also in the sense that I recently wrote a thing about like you know PS1 games we'd like to see come back, and I'm real glad I didn't put Fear Effect in it because it would be uh, outdated now. It hasn't been published yet. No, but... I, no, <laughs> that would have sucked. You had to go back and recut the <laughs> whole thing. You know that, or you just put like a big like stamp on it, like, yeah, it's like success or whatever. It's like you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> it was all because of me. Because we did it. <laughs> uh, Fear Effect. There's actually kind of a is it a prequel that's coming as well? I don't know. There's a small it's... studio that announced four months ago, I think. That they're working on either a prequel or a sequel to Fear yeah, Effect. There's two of them coming. Just two yeah. new Fear Effect games coming, which is, uh, I guess, was it? That's a thousand percent increase yeah. over, <laughs> over the last ten years or something. <laughs> it's funny though. I looked. At, I when they announced it, I saw that, and I looked at my. I went over and looked at my PS1 section of my shelf, and I don't. I can't find my Fear Effect One. Oh really? I have, I have two still, but I can't find Fear Effect One, and some of that stuff's hard, to, expensive to replace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of a controversial game when it came out. Yeah. Because there were lesbian love scenes. Yeah, well, especially in the game. two. Like, yeah, was, two was where they really pushed it. Like there was innuendo in the first one. Yeah. Sealed the deal in the second one. Yeah, the one. second one is just very, you know, they are, they're lovers. They're together. They're together. Yeah. And uh, great. Well, yeah, for the time, I mean, though, people were like, oh, my God. And now it's it's so Somebody tame. think of the children playing the M-rated noir shooter cyberpunk thing. Okay, come on, people. Now it's like... Whatever. Now it's not, yeah. It's like Mass Effect like, puts that in Everything does. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, all the action RPGs have... I mean, I've, now I haven't played Fear Effect 2 in almost 20 years, probably, but like... Uh, I don't know how well it would hold up today if it would just come off of like like softcore porn for for straight men. But well, so. that I think that won't hold up one, and I think the gameplay doesn't really hold up because it has the old no, Evil very, tank yeah, and it had that weird sort of like um, EKG health yeah. bar. And all, it was it, actually it, it was, was a fear meter. Is a fear? Well, it almost like if I remember right, it almost had kind of a dragon's lair element to it, where like your reactions to things would then impact re- like oh yeah, stuff like that. that's it, true. Yeah, it was uh, it was an odd. I, I don't want to say it was bad, but it was definitely odd. I don't know if it's going to hold up in 2018. I feel like there's probably ways out. you could... Comp- I mean, look, I've, I've been playing some older games recently for a project I'm working on, and um, uh, it's amazing we got through some of this stuff. Oh, back I, in the, I mean, it's like... it's like It really took, like, seven years to figure cameras out. Yeah. It's ama- and it's like... They were just barely vid- 3D video games. Yeah, and you're like constantly having to babysit the, the C buttons on the, pl- on the 3D platformers on the N64 yeah, yeah. and stuff, and it's just like oh, that's a, that. By the way, is a fun experience trying to get an N64 to work on a uh, modern television. Yeah. Without just being a bunch of blurs like running around, it's uh, it's a it's. How did you solve it? I got a converter. Uh, like a little converter box and an S video cable that like converts it to HDMI, and then you run that through, and it still is pretty 
sub, you know, still putting a 380i signal out, but yeah. it, but it, it cleans it up, and this S video helps, and it, you can actually see what you're looking. No, at. S video is huge for the N64. Because yeah. I remembered I had. I knew S- I had a cable for, but I, I have no idea where it is now. I just found the system and the power thing, the giant power thing, crammed that slams in. Slams in, yeah. So I uh, I had to order another one. It was like six bucks. You know, it was nothing. But well, I remember back when the N64 was viable and, and still around. Like I had a buddy who had an N64. I always go to his place to play Mario Kart and GoldenEye or whatever. Mm-hmm. He came over to my apartment one day, and I had it running through S-Video, and he walked in and was like, holy mm-hmm. crap, like, yeah. He's like, what kind of TV is that? I'm like, it's not the TV, bro, it's the S-Video. <laughs> it's not the TV, the difference is the cable. Yeah, it, was, it really it, was. It into a commercial. It and made a big difference, yeah. The, uh, the other thing, if you do decide to get an S-Video cable for your N64, if you have a retro phase uh, in the near future, you have to get an S-Video cable that just has the S-Video connector not the yellow composite connector you can't have both because it can't have both because most of the 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 cables that do um s video connector with the yellow connector they're just putting out two composite signals and checkerboarding them together oh really So so you get this weird like like screened or effect on some of the colors and textures. Interesting. So if you want true the true S video output, you want to get a, a cable that only has the S video output, not the yellow. I had the official. Nintendo, Learn that one the hard way. Yeah, I had the official Nintendo S video cable back. Yeah, in that, the if you day. have that, that's it's great. Good. You're yeah, good. Makes but, a big difference. But I did not. Although I have jealously guarded my digital component out for my GameCube. Yeah. That that cable is gold. I know exactly. Literally where worth it its weight in gold. <laughs> like I know two, exactly. dollars now. I dug mine out like it two years ago, and I know exactly where it mm-hmm. is. Uh, and I also have a another cable that I, I use for like my Wii as well. So. Yeah, the Wii. The thing with the Wii is like. Uh, the Wii's video output for a GameCube is not as good as a GameCube yeah. with a digital, digital component right. out, and so yeah. that's why, why people gel. You know, there's still like a whole thing where people are trying to. You know, I, th- I saw a new uh, a new cable because uh, this guy's been working our company or something was working on a cable to convert the digital out of the GameCube to HDMI for years, and they just had a new like version come out or something, and like people, I guess people are going to start testing that, but like, it, the, the digital out of the GameCube has still not been fully cracked. That's crazy. Because it uses some kind of c- chip or something in the cable, and no one has ever figured out... That's why the cables were so damn expensive. That's why the cable is... Yeah, because there's no replacement. Because <laughs> every other, everything, like S-Video N64, you can go down to like, you know, your independent, local independent game store or Amazon and get one for six bucks from a third-party seller that cranks them out, but like, no one has cracked the digital component. Well, they also the the component, component out on the GameCube after a while. Only yeah, the, I, I only learned... Only the DOL 001 has the actual... Yeah, I learned that the hard way, too. I, I, my, my launch GameCube broke down, died, and I went and got a new one from, from Best Buy. It was like three years or four years, and I got it home, and I'm like, so I had to go back yeah. and look. I got one of the Best Buy employees, and I like looked through every single because you could see if you pulled the the, the thing oh, by really? the serial number out a little yeah. bit, you could see if the cable, the port was there. And we looked through like forty or fifty. Like he and Did he, you find and one? we found one. Wow! Eventually. Like, but it was like like it was it was right <laughs> after they'd gotten rid of that port, and I, I had no idea it had happened. And and even the guy at Best Buy was like, "That's crazy! That's so <laughs> like, why would you do that?" And so, but cheaper. yeah, we, it was He's cheaper. Oh to yeah, make. cheaper to make. And no one was using it. I mean, that's why the cables are, are worth so it. much money now. Yeah. Uh, another big thing, at least it in my opinion, so much. That was the, that the digital out that those components. That's what that's what convinced me of component video yeah. back in the day. Like my friend showed me wave race. Progressive he had, scan. He, yeah, he had, he had the two cables, and he showed me wave race. Uh, on composite, like guess video, and then he showed me Wave Racing Component, and it was like it's like night it's day. like putting glasses on. It, it was is, night, yeah. it was totally different. Yep. Uh, another big thing, at least in my opinion, from Gamescom 2017, Battlefront 2 Space Battles mm-hmm. shown for the first time. 
Stunning. Looks real good. They've, real good. They've rebuilt the gameplay and controls back up from the ground. Like they, this is not like a, a refinement of what was in the last Battlefield. It is a completely Battle, new Battlefront. Battlefront. Um, that's that's their fault. It is. For, yeah. For, it absolutely. For, for giving is. Battlefront to the people who make Battlefield. <laughs> Screw you. Like. I mean, I, I mix those up already, but yeah. then you gave it to Dice, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, that doesn't help. But the, uh, uh, like they, they did not just like you know, tweak the, the admittedly lackluster mode from the first Battlefront. They, uh, they, they said they built it completely from scratch. It, I was watching, and it leaked out early. Like a Eurogamer got it a couple yeah. days early, and, but their version was kind of crappy. And I watched it there, and I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then when they put out, like, their real version, the mm-hmm. direct feed version, I sat there and watched that, and I started thinking back to when I was a kid, playing video games, being a Star Wars fan. How could I ever fathom that a mm-hmm. video game would look that good, man? I mean, it literally, like, at times looks like it's a film. Yeah, there's places where you could confuse it. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and when you go in cockpit, you have the characters, that kind of gives it away. But when you're just mm-hmm. seeing, like, the third the third-party shots of the ships in space fighting, it is Amazing, man. Yep. And they, uh, it, I think it also was a much better presentation than the, the demo they did for multiplayer at E3. Agreed, um, yeah. And, it, you know, they, they showed the mode and they got through it and they kind of like went step by step and made sure you well, saw it. Well, could get much worse than yeah, what they showed be. at E3. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this also helps that it's not the prequels. It also helps um, that it wasn't like the influencers playing the game right. that weren't good at the game and um, weird announcers announcing it like it was esports and all the other crap. That was did. encouraging. It looked good. Um, certainly better than anything in the first game in terms of like gameplay mechanics and, and how that all fit together. It looks like they've rebalanced the ships a little better. They've kind of uh, made the classes matter. You know, they brought in the TIE bomber to give the Imperials yeah. like a heavier ship. Yep. Um, the the balance on the uh, on the hero ship seems to be. Uh, tweaked a bit so I'm, I'm happy that like you know because i used to when i would play the the mode in the last one i would just you know i'd, I'd kill a guy or two and just sort of like hover around and scan for where you know the three places i knew where the the hero ship fan you know swoop for it and i'd be in the slave one of william falcon the rest of the match like yeah. i would never die like there yeah. was no way to unless like two or three people got together and really decided to take me out like that was my ship for the rest of the match and it looks like while these hero ships have much have, they have really good like bonuses, like you know Darth Maul can stealth, and the Millennium Falcon is just a tank, and mm-hmm. all that. You know, and also Millennium Falcon is a very tempting target. I think literally it doesn't have, it doesn't draw aggro like through an ability. But I don't see how if you're flying past that thing, you can't try to take a shot at it. Oh, I mean, yeah. look, I mean, it's like big pie plate. You got, it's like <laughs> look at that. I'm going to hit that. You know. Um, so I like what they're doing with that. Yeah. I also like, like I said uh, for the previous demo at E3, I like that they are not limiting uh, the hero characters by era. Yeah, like you can play Darth Maul or whoever. Like, I mean, just go for it. Yeah. Just do whatever you want to do. Like, and and it's all under your control. It's not like you have to race for an icon. You spend your points you earn to get whatever you want and play however you want. And that's a that's a big improvement too. I got nothing but positive positive vibes for uh, the multiplayer in this game so far. I mean, I yeah, like. I'd I mean, still like to know more about the campaign, but like Beyond Foot stuff's a little. Isn't it weird that they didn't show the campaign though at Gamescom? I mean, it's not over. Maybe it's mm. it'll, it'll happen. Maybe. I h- highly doubt it, but it's a little odd, disconcerting. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I don't. I mean, they can always kind of smoke screen it by saying like, "Oh, we don't want to give it away." And just right. but you, you show me the first tutorial or something. Like, give me something. Show like, the first ten minutes yeah, of it. Like, everybody does that. I mean, that's that. standard operating procedure at this point. Show me one percent of what I've seen of Sea of Thieves. Yeah, with that. <laughs> that's all I want. 
Yeah. Well, the funny thing about Sea of Thieves is you actually haven't seen that much of the game. You've That's seen right. You developer see, footage and all. I've this. seen a lot of wireframes. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've seen a lot of uh, object placement yeah. grids, but I haven't <laughs> seen uh, what you know. What it's like to actually play it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Age of Empires Four announced. Didn't call that one. I mean, that might honestly be the biggest announcement from Gamescom so is. far. Like that I mean, plus, when you really uh, look on the whole. First time since 2005, mm-hmm. a new game's coming out. And, and it's coming a, out next uh, year, so it will have been 13 years since the last game. And Definitive Edition remakes of 2 and 3. Yep, when we're getting one in October, mm-hmm. and then the other two are going to follow shortly thereafter. And uh, unfortunately, I th- it sounds like they're going to be Windows Store exclusives. Yeah, it looks like PC exclusives only. Not yeah. coming to, not even Xbox One Well, I mean Windows Store exclusives. Right, so you have like, to buy it you buy, They can't buy it on Steam. Right. Um, which, anything that drives me off of Steam annoys me. Yeah, it, that makes but, no sense. Why would you chop off the biggest market for because PC Because Microsoft games? wants you to use the Windows but environment. That- it's so dumb. So I mean, dumb. that's been their strategy forever. That's it how has. they've always they, worked. It, it, and that's one case where Microsoft is like Nintendo and doesn't learn like mm-hmm. over time. It's like, like I don't think this one's going to work either. You know, a couple of their games they have like relent. I think it was in Quantum Break. They relented yeah. and put it on Steam because no one freaking bought it. Yeah, yeah. They, they were desperate. You're limiting I mean, your audience tremendously yeah. by not putting it on Steam. Age of Empires Four, though, I think people will brave the Windows Store. Yeah, I to think go I think the, the diehard PC gamers <laughs> will will. will We'll, we'll dip their toe in the Windows Store for for that. I'm wondering what spurred Microsoft. And it's Relic, so you know it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm wondering what spurred Microsoft on to finally revive this franchise. They got nothing else to do. I mean, really, like, is that it? Like, is it did, has it just got to the point where it's what like, else man, do they have in their back pocket? We really? need to make some money off software. We don't have any stuff coming. Like, let's. Yeah, I'm sure a part of I was. I'm sure it's a combination of that and, and them wanting to drive people to the Windows Store, like because. I mean, look, man, I forget I have that. I shut like, off Windows Store because I was getting these weird things on my computer mm-hmm. where it was literally taking up like 80% of my computer resources. Mm-hmm. It was some kind of a background operation from the Windows Store that was basically crashing my computer. Like My fans would just go off. Nothing would run right. And I did. I researched it for like two months before I figured out what was going on with it. And I had to like go into the Windows Store and set and like turn off a bunch of stuff that was automatically happening like mm. under the hood. And now my computer runs fine, but instead now I get these little pop-ups in the corner of my screen. You need to fix something with the Windows Store. Right. Like literally like every hour and a half, this little thing pops up. I'm like, go away. There's no way to like permanently dismiss it. No, well, it's a very invasive thing. And, and uh, I mean, I, but I forget that I have like the Xbox app. That's why I haven't played Forza Horizon 3 in so long. Was because yeah. I forget it's there. Right. You know, yeah. it's... It's just not part of the environment. I mean, I guess I could add it to Steam as, like, you know, you can add right. visual EXEs yeah. to it and stuff, but I just never did that, and I always forget that I can play Forza Horizon 3. Yeah. Know? Well, regardless of why, I'm very happy Age of Empires is Yeah, it's good. I like it, and I like, you know, Relic is the company to do that, and that ensemble doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, so. and there's a whole generation of players who have no idea what this game is who are about to find out, and hopefully they can nail it so that they get the true experience that we experienced mm-hmm. oh, oh so many years ago. Um, let's see what else. Although, really, you could just get Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition and call it a day. I yeah, think. it's I mean, the best in the yeah. series, without a doubt. Um, it's so funny how number two in a lot of series always ends up being, like, the best. Yeah, I feel like, you know, especially with games, I feel like two is kind of where you, 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 you've got the baseline down, and now you can implement a bunch of the stuff you had to cut out of the first one. Yeah, two ends up being what the first game was supposed yeah. to be, yeah. in yeah. a lot Two of tends cases. to be the idea, like, all the, the realization of a lot of the ideas you had in the drawing board yeah. for the first game, and then three tends to be... Oh, we got to come up Bloat. with something else. Yeah, Bloat. yeah, and so they just you just throw everything in. Like I think it def- also happened with Gears. I would yeah. say. 
And so yeah, I mean, I think a lot of I, I actually think I like <clears throat> Uncharted three more than two. Most people like two the most. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people would agree with that with Uncharted as well. Where two is kind of the sweet spot. Three yeah. got a little bloated. Um, yeah. So and then four went to Samville. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, next up, HTC Vive gets a permanent price cut to five hundred and ninety nine U S dollars. Yep. If you get that second job now. <laughs> <laughs> You can buy a PlayStation 3 or a Vive. Yeah. Does it matter? Eh. I don't think it really I, does. I still wouldn't say run out and buy it just yet. If you, if you know, it's not... I, I'm not convinced. I haven't used the Vive in a, a couple of months. Um, although part of that is because to use it, I have to put my contacts in, which is a pain in the ass. It's like... Yeah. I don't blame you. I, yeah. I would not want to put contacts <clears throat> in my eyes, ever. Um, whereas with the PSVR, my glasses fit in. Right. So I, I, it's a, and they fog up if I don't put it in right. But right. it's like... It's a. It's still more viable. Like, oh, I would like to play some VR. I'll just throw this it's on. It's plug and play. Yeah, as the kids say. If my eyes were good, I would probably use the Vive a lot more. Yeah. Um. So that is a case by case basis. But five hundred. I mean, that's a good price for what you get. Um. Still need a monster PC still, to run. Yeah, still it. need a good, really good PC to run stuff smoothly. And um, you know, just the room scale stuff is a little more demanding in general. Uh, and I wouldn't, you know, I have a guy, I have a friend I just helped, like, build a, like, a cheap kind of more, you know, well, not cheap, but it was like a $1,500 PC that could, for his Oculus, he bought an Oculus for his family, and, and, you know, they're playing all this stuff I recommend, and they all, I mean, they love it, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no denying once people get it, they love yeah. it, but that's a huge, even at five ninety nine. This isn't going to be the critical mass price cut. It's not. Uh, it's like, uh, I mean, it's the time, it's time. It's probably time to do it, but it's not. This is not going to suddenly set the world on fire with VR. This is the fence sitter's price point. Right. These are the people who were like right on the verge like of maybe. Like I really want it, but yeah. man, I can rationalize that now. Maybe they can rationalize it, but this isn't going to change anything at a fundamental level as far mm -hmm. as the success or failure of the Vive. Um, no, it's just going to let like that little that's that sliver of the Venn diagram intersection. Finally, jump that side of the fence. Yeah, which is you know fine, like great. Better than nothing. Yeah. I mean, at least HTC is figuring it out. that yeah. price is its biggest stumbling block. And but I feel like this is about as low as it gets until they introduce the next model. You think so? Yeah, which is like probably going to be wireless. I have a feeling they got tons of stock of this laying around, though. I don't know. It's selling okay. I don't know how many they would have made originally to, to expect to sell. Yeah. Um, it's certainly possible they could have overestimated it tremendously. I think at the very least they overestimated it. I but, mean, uh, I'm pretty shocked at how poorly it's done. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I mean, I'd it's, expect it to do gangbusters, but I thought it would sell pretty well. I thought you'd hear you hear people talking about it more than we're hearing people talking about it. Well, the price it. was always too high. And like you say, no one's come up with that game that everyone honestly you know what the killer app for the vibe probably is right now google google earth vr yeah i know that's it really that's is. eerie I like know. it's like <laughs> like you can see your car I know. like it's just it's like i'm standing in my backyard like, what <laughs> the, like whoa it's like there's the car there's the, it's like it's ridiculous it's crazy yeah. it's a little scary actually yeah. but like it's got a creep factor a little too. bit but like uh and um so there's that, but it's like so that's, that's really cool, but it's not a game. That's not six hundred dollars worth of awesome either. Tell you what, if, it's like if you just walk out of your back door right. and just stand in the. I'll yard. tell you what, if, if Google could figure <laughs> out a way to turn that into a game, yeah, you'd have something like tag or something, like a something. Pokemon Go equivalent kind yeah. of thing. Like man, what you take? Okay, Pokemon Go Vive. I mean, Nintendo would never go for it, but like right. imagine Pokemon Go like that, so you can yeah, play yeah. Pokemon Go, but you never have to leave the house. Yeah, yeah, awesome, done, sold. 
I'd play it a lot more than I do now, which is never. Yeah. I haven't played Pokemon Go in like a year, probably. No. It's been a long time for me. Yeah, but probably like, I think the last time I had it on was probably around Christmas. Every time I turn it on, I'm afraid my cell phone's going to explode. <laughs> I have like this old iPhone 5. Yeah, is, your, is it still coming off the... the... No, no, they actually, I got another one. Mm. They I, they gave me a brand, they had a brand new iPhone your 5. Your screen was like a centimeter off Yeah, the, and it, it stopped working. Bezel. Yeah, the battery had expanded and it pushed the screen off the front of the phone, so I took finally took it into Apple when it completely stopped working and they sold me a new iPhone 5 for 50 bucks. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, and this thing, if you run Pokemon Go on this phone, it literally feels like it's going to explode. <laughs> it gets so hot, hot like cuz yeah. the processor just can't handle the game. So so yeah, I'm off the Pokemon Go train. It was great while I, while it lasted. I enjoyed it for a while. Uh, let's see what else. Final Fantasy 15 for PC. Probably should have rolled this into the Switch talk. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody kind of thought this was coming. Yeah. They've done PC versions of all the recent Final all, all the Final Fantasies almost at this point. Yeah. You but can get it. You can get 7 and 8 and 9 and 13 and that, all the permutations. This is actually getting some TLC, though. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just them porting would, over the console to. versions. It's going to be 4K, right? It's going to run in 4K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I'm guessing that version becomes backwards compatible on Xbox One X, like... Maybe, yeah. I'm sure the work they're doing on Final Fantasy 15... I mean, the architecture PC, is the same, so there's no reason right. not to do it. So I'm guessing we'll get an announcement pretty soon yeah. that Final Fantasy I mean, Fantasy I would, I would guess they're going to make the Xbox One X decision based on how the Xbox One X sells out yeah. of the gate. And then, like, if, if that does well, they'll be like, oh, it's for both. It's, it's you yeah. know, And otherwise, you just release it on PC and you're good. But, you know, we were talking about Phil Spencer last week and how I'm very critical of the job he's been doing. This is a case where you swoop in. Yeah. And if and if Square Enix is saying, eh, we don't know, here's money to say yes. Money like, to put this on the, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if, it, if he does or if they do it. But There are, I mean, because there is a fan base. I mean, I still hate that game. But there's a fan base that would double dip to have a better looking one that don't own a gaming PC. Well, the other part, too, is that Although, if you already own, own Xboxes. I don't know. I mean, the way it's kind of been working is if you already own it, the enhanced version is free, right? Yeah, but is it on Xbox One? Yeah. It Final is? Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you would get that free upgrade. and I associate this, that series with PlayStation so hard that I mean, sometimes I don't even think about it. It always has been that way. I mean, we just talked earlier about Square Enix coming back to Nintendo consoles. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was a but, big but, deal at the time. But, you know, Final Fantasy to me has been a, a PlayStation franchise for 20 years now. Yep. Yeah. Um, whether you know, even though X and X ten and uh, and thirteen did come to uh, Xbox, yeah, um, uh, the times they, they haven't changed. Did the, <laughs> they aren't uh, even changing. They did the changed. spin-off ones come to Xbox? Mm, like X two, ten two, so. and, and like so. you know, Lightning Returns and all that. No, that was their only PlayStation. Yeah. Also, Square Enix announced today that there's not going to be a fifteen two. Yeah, well, good. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all agree with that. But it has been a pattern. I mean, even if I liked 15, like, get over it. Like, don't yeah. don't make us waste a decade on this same thing. I mean, one of the, adva- the things about Final Fantasy is, like, it gives every time a new one comes out, a new number one comes out, it gives you a new world, a new experience, right. you know, a remix of all the new elements. characters. You remember in, like, I mean, the late 90s, early 2000s, you got one every year for a while, and it was totally different every time. It was like, that, that was part of the appeal of those games, and I know they can't make them that fast anymore because of the nature of budget and assets at this point, but it's like, like you got to go back to your roots on that a little bit more and stop expecting that these worlds you create are that compelling that we can sit in them for, you know, seven, eight years. Well, Square said, I call them Square, Square Enix said that... Uh, 
they just want to keep building on the existing Final Fantasy 15 instead of going and creating a new game mm-hmm. set in that same universe. So. That makes sense. Bide your time. Get 16 done. It only took you a decade to make it. Yeah. You might as well make it as good as possible. Uh, let's see what else. Life is strange. Now, this this story is something that has there's been conflicting reports on. When I sent you the rundown today, you mm-hmm. seem to think that this has been recanted. I it have has. not seen that. It has for a fact. It has. Square said it was a mistake, and they're talking to the first parties. Well, we didn't even say what it was. It yeah, basically... so the story was that Life is Strange Before the Storm, which comes out really soon, in order to get the Platinum Trophy, you had to buy the deluxe edition of it. Yeah. And people flipped people out. People freaked out, but Square said that it's not... That's, that was a mistake. They're talking to the first parties about fixing it right now. Um, but do you think it was a mistake, or do you think that Square Enix is only saying, oh my gosh, because fans are freaking out? Eh, I'm torn on that. Like, on one hand, like, it seems like a really... It seems like something that could be a mistake. On the other hand... I don't think it does, um, though. It could be. People have made mistakes on anything in that regard. You never know. That would be a big mistake. But it would be. But uh, on the flip side... I really don't put it past Square to try to do that. Let me. Like it's just it, 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 it's like on one hand I want to say like yeah I mean that is a mistake that could have been made, but on the other hand it's like that really sounds like something Square would do to try yeah. to make you buy the more expensive thing. Absolutely. Like because they're they're not it's they're not tremendously not... consumer friendly a lot of times. I think Square Enix will be one of the last publishers to to move to the new trend, which is free DLC. Right. And the uh, and the other thing of course is like. That's ball. If it wasn't a mistake, that's ballsy when you've already like kind of screwed the pooch on that game as much as you have with yeah. a different developer, different voice actors. Like you know, you've you're already like you know in a hole with that one. So yeah, they've been pushing the envelope with that for sure. I'm still gonna play it though because I love the first one so much. I like the first one, but I one of the reasons I like the first one is Ashley Birch is Chloe. Yeah. And without her in there, I don't even know if I don't even know if I'm gonna. Con- I don't know if I can consider this canon. <laughs> I don't, also, it's like the time travel thing was like kind of the really interesting part of that it and like is. if without max in the mix it feels like is this just gonna be like an adventure game with two girls going to the junkyard like, but what is today this? like i think square enix picked up on that because it announced today that there are supernatural elements in the game Ooh. still but i think look i'm, I'm with you Which I, think... I guess explains why chloe's willing to accept the rewinding time thing so easily yeah yeah it's it might like, be it's like oh yeah everything in this town's crazy what are you talking about <laughs> But I agree with you. That's what gave that game its unique twist. It certainly mm-hmm. gave it its only real unique gameplay twist. Yeah, and I understand, like, you kind of got to keep that IP hot while, you know... Strike while the iron's hot? Yeah, because yeah. uh, what, what's the... Uh, I forgot. What the, what's the game that the original developers are making? You oh, know, Vampire. Vampire. Yeah. So you got you to gotta stall for time while they make that to move on to make two. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It just... It, the, the voice actor strike really put a dent in this game. The new developer it's thing not their is fault. a big deal. Like, I hate when a franchise is handed off to a new developer. It hardly ever ends well. Yeah. What, what's the original developer? Don't, don't Nod. Don't Nod. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess they've been consulted on it and stuff, but, like, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous. Uh, boy, here's one. Shen, Shenmue 3 shows its first ever official trailer. Uh, there's been footage of the game that kind of leaked out there when the Kickstarter kicked off. Mm-hmm. Just really rough stuff. This was the first quote-unquote polished trailer mm-hmm. for the game. Although, in my opinion, I use that word very loosely. The backgrounds are pretty good. Yeah. But the characters are... Uh, well, there's no facial expressions in this. And mm-hmm. I, I did mention, uh, I think I said it in, on, in the comments on it on, on Sifted, that like I'm torn between wanting modern facial expression technology and admitting 
that uh, like a wooden blank expression is basically Ryo's defining character trait. You know, like, <laughs> it's not just his. No, it's everybody's everyone. like, but it's, but it's like the thing is like like everyone else will do that. But when Ryo's just like fighting and he says this blank face, I'm like yeah, that's yeah, him. That's Ryo. Like I, I, everyone else should have their face moving, but Ryo should probably just still be like staring straight ahead like a deer all the time. Um, I mean, I get that. That's a funny, and later that's he's a funny later joke, but. But later, he really? said, yeah. But later, Suzuki said that like they'd stripped the facial expressions out of the game a couple weeks earlier. Well, he said um, mostly. Yeah, his, think, actually, well, Shen- his exact quote was, "The character models won't be like that mostly." Yeah, and Shenhua still had some expressions on her. Yeah, but uh, clearly they had had to. I, I, it feels to me like that teaser was probably Deep Silver saying like you got to show something. Yeah, because like, we're you, investing in this game now. Yeah. And, and we have a marketing plan for this game. It's kind of put together in haste a little bit, and like they. Oh, sh- the they, trailer's terrible. They just I mean, showed what they had to show. The other thing that I thought was interesting was he said in that same interview that um, there probably won't be any new music. They're going to use the okay. they're going to use the OST I'm from fine one with and that. two. I'm totally fine with um, that. There's plenty of music there already, and it's great. Yeah, but it's like it's a little disappointing. That yeah. There's no there's nothing new. I'm more there. disappointed by everything else I saw. <laughs> I think that game is way out. Wow, way, way out. out. Like, Way out. And I've said that before. You know, yeah, like, we've, we've talked like, about and, it before. And the next year is like, I mean, that's optimistic. No it's way. not going to make that, I'm sure, after I this. mean, if that's the best footage that they can cobble together for like a two-minute piece of promotional video, that game is a long ways yeah. out. Well, they only started working on it in earnest last December. I mean, so. it's poor, the trailer was poorly cut. The environments look okay. Environments look really good, I think. But, I mean, a lot of those shots are from far away. Mm. And, like, any time it shows something up close, it did not look... That good... I mean, look, I'm not expecting this game to be Uncharted 5 or anything. No. But to me, it, right now, it's way below the curve. Like, yeah. way well, it's below. A, it's a B game. Like, it's basically... I think yeah. that might be generous right now. Well, we don't know what B games would look like. Today. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, we don't have those anymore. I mean, they, I, mean I guess they're not all it's Hellblade. It's some indie stuff. I mean, it looks like an indie game, I guess, is yeah, the best way to put it. Which is what it is. Which it kind of is, yeah. Absolutely is. It has nothing to do with Sega. I wish we had the little uh, lowered expectations thing to play right now because my, that's mm-hmm. exactly what's happened to me with this game after seeing that teaser. Is my expectations are I mean, lowered it, because I mean, other than the facial expressions, this game it looks exactly like I thought it would look. Yeah. Like I mean, it's it's an independent game made for a much smaller budget and in you know comparison to time you know time era to time yeah, yeah. era compared to what Shenmue One and Two were made on. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's basically Which at the what time I were like, like the biggest budgets in yeah. game development. Yeah. Shenmue One was the most expensive game ever made at the time. Right. Um, this is not. Uh, no. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> and um, you know, it looks pretty. You know, especially they're working in Unreal. There's a lot of you know, especially like the motion blur and stuff looked like it was basically the the canned motion blur right. you get in the Unreal Engine to begin yeah. with. Uh, there's not a lot of like. I guess there's not a lot of personal touches to it no. outside of what the engine does by itself. So it, 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 you know, watching that trailer, it feels a little impersonal. It feels a little canned. In, in I think for, for mostly for fans, I think they would be happy just playing a visual novel. Just to get yeah. the payoff yeah. of the story. People just want to know what happens. Right. Basically. And yeah. then, he, of course, in that interview, he started talking again about how he'd like to make a four. And I'm like, if you, if you cliffhang <laughs> this motherfucker, we're going to find you, dude. Like, it's... Do not do that. You're absolutely right. That would be a huge mistake. Because I mean, if you want to continue the world beyond this, but you have to finish Yo Hazuki's story in this game. No, you're right. Like, you cannot leave us hanging on this thing. I mean, the other thing, too, is that, like, he's old. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but he's an old guy. Look at how long it took from Shenmue 2 to Shenmue 3. If the game doesn't end up being amazing and doesn't sell like hotcakes... Four could take another 15 yeah. years before people get nostalgia enough what, for it to crowdfund it. Like, what if, because Sega's actually said that they're on the HD remaster for one and two. Like yeah. they're, they're like, we know, and we're, we're, we got it. We're, we know. We're there. 
what if the remaster comes out and sells better than Shenmue 3? That's possible. I think that's that might be a scenario. Well, look, they're going to get better marketing and mm-hmm. all that from Sega than they would get from Deep Silver. Yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. That's true. Deep Silver's a smaller publisher with not as deep pockets. I just, and I, you know, so I So they do, can market their way to outselling right. Shenmue 3. And I do want to know, I mean, I do want to know what happens. I did, I, you know, I backed to Kickstarter, yeah. all that stuff. But like you know, in the midst of all this, you're seeing the trailer, the launch trailers and stuff for Yakuza Kiwami, and it's just like that series. That series does what Shenmue does better than Shenmue ever did. Yeah. Uh, in a different way, it's got different subject matter. It's not all the same kind of thing, but it's like it's clearly a spiritual, a spiritual evolution yeah. of what Shenmue was kind of aiming to be, yeah. or t- trying to create at the time, because no one had ever done anything like that. Right. So you know, there's a lot of learning and a lot of growing pains in those early Shenmue games, but. Um, like Yakuza, the Yakuza games have really realized what you know what I thought Shenmue was aiming for, and I think I think I I might not need Shenmue anymore. Here's what I'm wondering. This is like this Shenmue three to me feels like okay, let's let's finish this. Yeah. Let's let's get through it. Let's do it. Let's let's have this close this chapter. It's like Last Guardian. It's it is, like yeah. it's like I'd rather have that come out, and I was only kind of lukewarm on it. I'd rather it, that happen than it never came out. You know, you want you want some closure on these things. Here's the question I have. What happens if Sega decides it wants to do Shenmue 4? How is, that de- how is it that Deep Silver is publishing Shenmue 3 anyway? Because Sega basically sold off... They didn't sell the rights, but they right. basically gave Shenmue 3... As, they're like, we're not going to do this, so they gave it to Yu Suzuki and like, do whatever you got to do. That was pretty dumb on Sega's part. I don't think it was. It's a useless IP. I don't think it's... It's obviously not useless. People crowdfunded money for a game. Yeah, for Yu Suzuki. I don't think they do it for, for like, a, you know, without him involved. And, yeah. like, you know, if it was just Sega being like, hey, we want to make this thing with, like, Bruce. Like, you know, like... But what, what it's done, though, by giving, relinquishing control over the IP is that it's risked killing the IP outright. Because if Shenmue 3 turns out terrible, it is yeah. really done for good. It was done for good to begin with. You think, though? Shenmue 3... Well, I mean, not before, but it's, like, before the Kickstarter... Shenmue was useless, and unless you wanted to put Ryo in, you know, the, that kart racing game. Sega yeah, has but. been talking about the reviving a bunch of old IPs lately. Yeah, not this one. I guarantee. I mean, the HD remaster is one thing. Making more of these, no. But if they just made a Shenmue game in the Yakuza engine, that's what I, that's kind of what I was. Yeah, getting but that's at. still a ton of work. Instead of I, doing the next Yakuza, make it Shenmue Four. I just, Sega clearly has no interest in this, and it's it's Yu Suzuki's baby. Um, I, I think I think Shenmue is a useless IP without Suzuki involved because the fan base identifies it so strongly with him because of the marketing for the first you know, the right, original, right. I mean it, he was the face of that yeah, game sure. in marketing and I mean it was his game it was Yu Suzuki's Shenmue yeah, you know? right. and, uh, I, and used I, to, I often wonder if that was Sega just trying to put the blame on yeah. him in case I mean, it didn't sell well <laughs> you're not wrong I mean that's 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 a legitimate thing that happens sometimes, especially if, in Japan. You know, in a hard, in a, yeah, especially. In Japan, but it's also like if you've got a creator that has his vision and is doing like, and you want to, you slap that name on it and be like, on one hand, it's like they think it's great because if it does well, they get the credit for it. If otherwise, if it doesn't do well, you're like, well, he didn't make this thing, yeah. so why don't you play, try this? <laughs> his name's yeah. not on this one. Um, that's why you haven't seen American McGee's anything in a while. Oh, you're right. Um, after that, what was that one? Alice, wasn't it? No. Well, they did Mattis Returns. So, yeah. yeah. But before that, there was that uh, Bad Day LA. Uh, I remember that. Did that come out? It did come out. I remember doing a review segment for that. I don't even remember it coming out. It did. I remember it being announced. <laughs> well, that's all, all, all it needs so to be that said about that. So, that, yeah, <laughs> that tells you something. 
Uh, let's move on. The last uh, thing we're going to discuss, other than the games that kind of caught our eye, um, it was announced that Mass Effect Andromeda is getting no more DLC. Yeah, I thought we knew that. No. I thought that, I swear they said no more no more single player stuff. No, EA was being coy about it and saying, "Oh, we haven't announced any plans for that." Blah blah blah. It came out of Gamescom and said no. And then an mm-hmm. EVP from the company does an interview and says, it basically chastises the critics who gave it poor scores and said it was over-criticized and says it's not dead. The Mass Effect is not a dead franchise. It is something that they'll look to go back to on down the road. We'll just have to see if we're dead by then. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, with Bioware obviously working on Anthem, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bioware Edmonton does Anthem 2 before it even thinks about going to do another Mass Effect game. Yeah, so. I don't know. If, if Mass Effect isn't dead, I don't know who's making it. Yeah, because the sure studio made Montreal. that one. Yeah, I mean the studio made that one's been absorbed into other parts of the company mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. So. As far as and as far as I know, Bioware everywhere, with the exception of the the people in Austin who are keeping uh, Swotor up and running. As far as I know, uh, all of Bioware is all hands on deck with Anthem right now. That's good. Up That's to, to including like Vancouver and, and parts of Austin, and like everybody's working on that game. That's what I want to hear. So. All right, just going to walk through a few games here from Gamescom 2017 that caught our eye, games that kind of stood out above the others. The first one I want to mention is Biomutant. Mm-hmm. Did you check that game out? Yeah, well, I saw the trailer. I don't know if there was any more. There's gameplay There's out gameplay. there. Yeah, and I would say the trailer got me really excited. Watched the gameplay. Chopped me down a level, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it looks really early and a little bit rough. Um, it's made by some former uh, Just Cause developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would never really know that by looking yeah, I didn't at look, it. Yeah, I didn't get Just Cause Mad Max pedigree off no. of it. No, um, but it's kind of like this animal, furry, action RPG, mm. open world. With a fantasy thing going on. Yeah, I, I'm getting I, a little I mean, bit I of a Zelda it. vibe cool. from it, to be yeah. honest. A little bit of it. It also reminded me a little of those, um, you know, remember that was, there was a little spurt of like, Indie games that starred mice with swords. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I am not aware of that. Of era, but... <laughs> there were a few. There were a few of those. Um, probably influenced by the comic book Mouse Guard. Yeah. But, um, there was a little little rash of those at one point, and this felt felt like a similar kind of thing. Like a little, you know, you're a little furry creature it's warrior. A, it's a little bit like against um, like much bigger things. They were, you know, yeah. In a world that's not sized for him. It's a little bit like a Guardians of the Galaxy cross Zelda. Yeah, there's a little bit of Rocket Raccoon in him. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I. I think it's the most interesting game that was shown yeah. at Gamescom. But I, there I weren't that many games in, announced, to be honest. Well, no, also, I can't wait to see it in 2019. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think they're saying 2018 right now, but I, I don't believe you. you. I, 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 <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> if you saw the gameplay, you definitely wouldn't believe mm-hmm. it, because it, it does look a little rough around the edges right now. Um, but that was, a pre- that was a pretty encouraging game to me. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about is Immortal Unchained. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, I think, has discovered the last genre yet to be mashed up with Dark Souls. Yeah. It's Although a, early, the funny thing is, early on in this trailer, like if you thought it was a God of War game, I would forgive you for yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Like it's it's there's a lot to go. Right That's down, the whole unchained part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, especially like the um, like it's it's a bald guy, very angry, chained, chained up, up, looking at like a Norse looking tree no, of life kind right. of thing. And I'm just like, wow, this is a very different approach to God of War Four. You know? Yeah. Like, but as it turns and, uh, out, it's turns like out a it's, third person shooter. Yeah. Third person Dark Souls inspired shooter. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, they're trying to bring guns to Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean, there are guns in Bloodborne. Right, but this is like your primary weapon, primary is, weapon is a gun. Yeah, because yeah. the guns uh, in Bloodborne are like, 
they're kind of like special weapons. Right, the guns they, are your counter weapon. Right, you're, yeah. You're, 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 uh, Instead of instead of instead of a, so a parry, it's uh, right. it's it's the a gunshot, gun right? Um, which uh, very hard to master, but uh, yeah. a key technique. What uh, genre? Key technique for Father Gascoigne. <laughs> what genre do you think is left to be to become a Souls like first person shooter? Uh, I can't wait for the Dark Souls uh, Sim City. <laughs> that will work. Yeah, like first person shooter. I'm surprised no one has announced one of those yet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, maybe if this does well. I mean, imagine a first-person shooter where it's, like, realistic, and you get hit with, like, two bullets and you're dead. Mm-hmm. How about the Dark Souls of football games? <laughs> <laughs> Every game you have to play against, like, the 70s Pittsburgh Steelers or whatever. <laughs> you just can't beat them, like, no matter what, or the 80s and 49ers. And if, you, and if you get ahead, uh, they all turn into werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's been crazy to watch this Souls thing. How mm-hmm. it's become kind of like this subgenre, the um, subgenre of like kind of like the 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 return of challenge, sort of you know where the conventional wisdom for years was like oh don't make it too hard or it'll turn people off and they won't want to play it. But now there's you know you've got like, make this sort it really of, hard right. and you're guaranteed to do like two million. Yeah, you got this like two to three million <laughs> person audience that automatically wants. Or to it's, try it's like whistle, whistleblowing. It's like mm-hmm. Souls-like. And that group of people, their ears perk up, and they're at least going to check out your game. Yeah, I mean, the eyebrow might go up, but they're, yeah. they're interested. You yeah. Know? Which that, is no the, easy task right. in today's market. And the, well, and the interesting thing, I think, about the audience for the Souls-alikes is, like, uh, even though I would say a lot of the non-From Software ones have been letdowns in a lot, especially Lords yeah. of the Fallen. Yeah. Uh, the surge was good, but not great. Yeah, um, and gets worse as you go on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like some of the two D stuff's been pretty good. Yeah, but like the thing I think is the most interesting is that the audience will try those things and come away and criticize them for what they are, but they will still be open to try the next one. Yeah, like well, they love it so much, right? Because yeah. they're always open. They're always willing to to say like, well, maybe this one. You mm-hmm. know, even there's I even know people because there like, are so many. <laughs> right. I mean, it's particularly on the indie side. Like, but you're not getting anything from from software anymore. Yeah. yeah. So everybody's looking for that methadone yeah. for the From Software no, heroin, right. yeah. and eventually somebody's going to hit it. Somebody's, I, I think the guys who made Surge, because uh, they did Lords of the Fallen, they're on and, the right track, and then they did the Surge, and they're not making Lords of the Fallen too. That's somebody else, uh, which it looks like might not make it this year. I think. Um, so I think those guys, if they make a third game, the the Surge guys, if they do, an, I can't remember the name of the company, but if they do a third one, I feel like they're going to get it. I feel like their third They're game close, is yeah. going to be on par with like something from might have made a few years ago. I just I'm not a fan of the aesthetics of their games. No, like there's a there's a there's a flatness to them that I don't yeah. really like. Uninteresting, I think, is yeah. the word I would use. That it's too. just not arresting. It's not intriguing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they did better in Surge in that regard, in the sense that like it doesn't look like such a Me Too Dark Souls aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, they kind of, you know, they got they got their their sort of cyberpunk. It wasn't cyberpunk. It was more like just futury. I don't even know what you like, would call it. I just, think that's the problem. Like you just can't. It. Oh, it reminded me of Red Faction. It like, that's did, what I yeah. kept thinking of. Was and Red that's Faction. another game that pro- the ga- the core of the game was pretty darn good, but the aesthetics mm-hmm. of it always turned me off. Yep. And I think yeah. a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, here's another game that really has impressed me at Gamescom, and I was pretty impressed with it already, but it's kind of blown me out of the water. Destiny Two. Yeah, I think, and I, yeah, I said that, that game is looking good. I said man. it when we got when we did like the beta play yeah. stuff, but I, re, but this the stuff the the Gamescom stuff here, I feel like they are really, it really finally feels like this is a game made by the guys who made Halo. Yeah, 
Yeah, like they showed that new, uh, the new, I don't even know what they're calling it, EVG or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like the, the, the group quest sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I watched like the demo of that, I'm like, this is freaking Halo! Mm-hmm. Halo-luyah! Like, <laughs> finally, like Bungie is getting back to what, they're making a game that people want them to make, finally. Yeah. I am all over Destiny 2, man. Like, signed, sealed, and delivered at this point. It is. Like, and you know, we've talked about Destiny mm-hmm. a ton on this show, and, you know, I was not a fan at all. I think I think I, it's, I appreciated its better qualities mm-hmm. and understood why a lot of people liked it. I think it's less of a surprise if you played the Taken King because yeah, you could clearly right. you could clearly see that Where they they were they were course correcting in this direction. But it's really cool to see, especially the stuff this week from Destiny 2, where it's like, oh, not only did they course correct, they got there. I yeah. Think. It's you looking know. hot, really hot sifters. And we'll see how the you know part of Destiny One's failing at launch was the connective tissue didn't quite work. It didn't keep you interested the yeah, whole time. Yeah. And like if they can nail that on on this game, like I think they got it because because the 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 actual action and shooting parts look and, look and feel like they already look and feel great, but now they look even better and they feel even more like kind of that that Halo. I don't want to say epic because it's so over. No, I think that's an appropriate word. But it, like, it feels larger than life in a way that like Destiny One just never did. It's thrilling. Yeah. Uh, the last game I want to talk about from Gamescom that really I feel like made a big impact on me was Monster Hunter World. Mm-hmm. Um, this I didn't look at. You didn't. I don't care about Monster Hunter, but I don't either. And that's the <laughs> point. That's the point I'm making is that I am loving Monster Hunter World. It looks. It's finally starting to evolve into a better game. Mm-hmm. After years and years of Capcom essentially being able to just print money with this franchise in Japan, it appears that it's finally starting to look at the Western action RPG scene. And not. And I don't want it to just completely turn into a Western art action RPG. Right. It's, but it needed a little sensibility in it. Right. And it is taking the right parts of the Western mm. RPGs and putting them in there while not losing the Monster Hunter flavor. Because... Well, I'm not a huge fan of Monster Hunter. There is something about it. I mean, there's yeah, a reason I, I, I understand played, why people love it. There's I a reason just, I played Monster Hunter Try for like 80 hours or whatever. Uh, there's something about the loop that sucks you mm-hmm. in and gets you hooked into it. See, I think in that regard, like Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter is like Destiny with us, but reversed. No, you're right. Like, That's a good I bounced it. off it, and you you get what that loop works on you. Whereas yeah, Destiny, right. the work, loop worked on me, and you bounced off. That's of that. a good analogy. But one, the game looks amazing. Um, Monster Hunter, for whatever reason, it does look nice. I mean, I would. What I can say for Monster Hunter World is, that at the very least, I would be willing to watch someone play it. Yeah, and for whatever reason, Capcom has kept this series on the weakest platforms. It's typically been mm-hmm. like a handheld game. It's been on Nintendo's handhelds forever. Yeah, it because, because the appeal was mainly in Japan. It was, yeah. it was a big deal. It was a it was a tentpole in Japan. For right? sure. So you oh, wanted I mean, to it, have it on Yeah, the, it filled Capcom's coffers over and over and over or again. Or Campcom, yeah. as, they, as they said yeah. in that one <laughs> screenshot release. Right. Yeah. Uh, but this game, I think, is going to be a nice compromise between JRPGs and more Western sensibilities. It looks amazing, hands down. The best Monster Hunter by his, in a whole other league, as far as that's concerned. Uh, they've put out a ton of gameplay across uh, mm-hmm. Gamescom. There's a guy, um, I don't know if you ever check out his YouTube channel, Orex Gaming. He has a tendency to find games and then just work them for everything that they're worth. And Monster Hunter World has turned out to be one of the games that he has attached himself to. And he's mm. been doing like these crazy weapon profiles and... Um, he's been doing a really great job covering it. And I've been following what he's been doing. We've curated some of it to Sifted. 
Um, and he's got me hyped for the game. Like it's it's funny how that works sometimes. If you find someone who knows a lot about something, mm-hmm. and they can kind of show you the light in a lot of ways. And I feel like that's kind of been happening over Gamescom for me. So, right. uh, and again, it, it looks so much better than any other Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been all these clones that have come out trying to replace Monster Hunter God Eater and all these others. Right. Uh, the real McCoy is finally coming to Generation Eight mm-hmm. consoles. So I'm pretty. And the excited. Uh, the only other thing I, I I didn't look at it until like right before I came over here, but I did. Uh, Ace Combat Seven. Yeah, I looked at some of that, and like, there's not really much to say about it because it's just it's just Ace, Ace Combat. Combat. Yeah. But the visual tricks they're using and kind of the weather stuff is really cool. If you haven't seen uh, the little developer walkthrough IGN has up, it's worth looking at just because you fly through a cloud of a storm cloud, and like all the rain pelts the the cockpit, and you come out out of it, and like it all kind of you know blows off, and yeah. is there, it's just you know it's, just, it's still the same game. It's still flying around, hitting missile twice, and blowing yeah. up the, the MIGs over and over. <laughs> But it's like, which I love, but it's like, yeah. there's nothing to say. It's, it's nothing different. But it's like the, the visual tricks they're pulling with the weather is, is they're pretty cool. There's another uh, officially released developer walkthrough for Ace Combat 7 that is just a campaign. Hmm. And it's not like a bunch of dogs. It's like, it shows like the cutscenes and the crazy, cause, story. Yeah, because they've got, the Ace Combat games have traditionally had a really wa- wacky story. And they have not backed off of no. that at all. Ace it's, Combat 6 was... It's like one, it, it, the whole story feels like a translation error, yeah. but it's like oddly charming yeah. as a result. I mean, it's it's a little bit like the story in like Tekken yeah. games. Go like, dance with the angels. It's Mr. like right. It's like if you that, haven't played Ace Combat Six, I highly recommend yeah. getting it cheap and playing the campaign because, it's, or at least watching the cutscenes on YouTube because it's hilarious. Yeah, and I, they have not backed off of that. No. And by at this point, they definitely realize that it's campy and. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's just been like, well, that's what this series right. is. Like, if you like, if you still love the original Resident Evil dub, yeah, yeah. like, Ace Combat 6 <laughs> is for you. That's your jam. Yeah, yeah so, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, they backed off a lot on the VR stuff for that game. I also loved it. I don't remember what the name of the country is in 7, but in Ace Combat 6, it's pretty obviously America that yeah. gets invaded by, like, the fake Russians. Yeah. And, like, they blow up their capital. But the name of the fake America country is Ameria. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's like... You can't make this stuff up, like Normally, I'd be like, oh, you're not even trying. But the fact that they clearly aren't even trying, is yeah. sort of, it's just adorable. It's endearing, I, it's, yeah. it, I, I love Ace Combat for reasons that I would probably hate almost any other game. And I don't get it, but it's I'm, I'm on board with Ace Combat 7, yep. day one. So barring any crazy announcements over the next couple days, uh, Nintendo is doing two more days of live streams. Mm. Uh, so something could maybe pop up there. I did like what I saw of uh, Mario Odyssey. The, the lunch was it the Luncheon Kingdom? Yeah, in a lot of like stuff where like bouncing around and boiling water as a lava ball and stuff. Oh, I like the gameplay concepts in it. Yeah. I think that world is heinous, though. Oh, the world is not very good looking. No, no. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. We should, but see, I we do should like... show the level with all the boiling pink liquid. That's the. That's but the, the gameplay ticket. concepts in it are. Oh yeah. Yes. I mean that's Mario. Um, but barring any major announcements over the next couple days, which I highly doubt because the press days end mm-hmm. today, I believe. And now it's open to the public where it gets really crazy. Um, I think Gamescom, we have a pretty good handle on it at this point. What's your letter grade for the show as a whole? Um, I mean, there's not a lot of surprises, but, like, I think we got a lot of good info on, like, stuff we know about. We, you know, we expanded what we know about things I think we're interested in. I'd probably give it, like, a, I'd probably give it a B. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it a C because, well, I feel like, I think it's a quantity versus quality thing. I think last mm-hmm. year we had the higher quality of content, 
But this year, the quantity mm. is just destroying last year. So I feel There's like a lot. I, I, I feel like the quality's there. I just feel like uh, there aren't any surprises. I'm talking about like quality of announcements, like right. things that get you excited, get mm-hmm. you invigorated. Um, I feel like it's much lower this year, but. The, the depth that we're able to see the games that are coming mm-hmm. is far superior than what we got last year. Yeah. So I feel like if there had been like a like a like a something equivalent of like Sony's Final Fantasy VII Shenmue Three Last Guardian press conference, yeah. like I might go into A territory for yeah. it. But there isn't. There's no surprises. It's just a lot of solid content. I just think it's an average Gamescom. Yeah. So I, I see it at a C. So. That's it, Gamescom 2017. We might touch on it again in episode 100, but I kind of doubt it because we have other stuff we've got to worry about for that Unless show. something really crazy happens in the next, like, three days. Highly doubtful, but we'll see. All right, let's move on. I'm going to talk next about what I kind of hinted at earlier, about mm-hmm. how we're going to talk about Nintendo and uh, how it handles hardware. Or doesn't. The Super <laughs> Nintendo Classic Edition pre-orders went up. Did you get one? I did. You're a lucky uh, dog. Through uh, Wario 64, I have I have uh, Wario 64's tweets set, set to be the only tweets that pop up on my phone when he does it. And, I was not uh, even aware you could set up things like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had because I probably would have done the same it's, thing because yeah, they went on in. sale on Amazon at two in the morning Pacific. I was up. I was working on Gamescom mm-hmm. stuff. I worked until almost five in the morning that night. Had no idea any of that happened. Yeah, I got I got mine at Best Buy. Because uh, Mar- that was uh, like 8 p.m. or something like that. Like Missed Pacific. that too. I, we were, we were, it was di- right at the tail end of dinner, and I looked at the thing, and I was, it was like, it's up. And I was like, oh, gotta go, you know, got to move, and I got it. And uh, then... Uh, they I haven't s- canceled your pre-order yet? No, no. I, <laughs> the, the pre-order's still there. It's still in. And uh, I sent the link after uh, to uh, to our friend, to my friend, because I knew he wanted one. And it, it sold out while he was putting his credit card information in. Yeah. So it lasted about... I want to say 15, 20 minutes. That's surprising, actually. I can't believe it lasted Um, that long. And then Amazon went up at like 1 or 2 in the morning our time, and that was gone faster. That was gone in like 10, if that. I had set up... It's like... I'm so damn busy. I and it was a, the Amazon one was a different link. Right. Different page than the one Wario had had. The one everyone assumed was going to be it. It went up under a different page. How, how did he find that one? Because Wario 64 is magic. That's like all he does. I don't know how he does it, man. It's like... <laughs> In fact, well, you that, know he worked with Sifted for a while. Yeah. Well, in fact, that night, um, you know, like like by like three in the morning, he was like, "Okay, this is bad," because you know things would come back up, or like maybe Target's gonna go. Like, we don't know. And then finally, he's like, "All right, I'm going to sleep." And it's like the first reference I think I've ever seen to him having to sleep yeah. at any point, because uh, otherwise it seems like he's just a machine. Well, it is crazy. A lot of people think he's not very personable mm-hmm. on his Twitter feed. He's very just matter of fact. This here oh, it is. He here has a is, job to do, and that's what he does. He was like that on NeoGaf many years ago. Like mm-hmm. it, the way he would type and write, you just wondered if he was just a bot or whatever. But when he was working with us, he's actually a really mm-hmm. good guy. Like oh, yeah. well, it's really a, cordial and really nice. Somebody and he, accused him of being a bot on NeoGaf a couple weeks ago, and he instantly posted a tweet that's that had, it was like a caption and it said "not a bot." Yeah. Like on it, and it's like it's like so he's reacting to the and I was like, guy. oh my god, he's not. It's crazy. His life must be miserable, though. I mean, all he does is just go surf the internet looking for video game deals. Yeah, if this is what you love, it's what you <laughs> it's love. Crazy, but uh, I look. I follow him, oh, yeah. but I don't. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter. I go to Twitter to promote stuff for Sifted. Well, I almost never look at Twitter uh, or like late at night when something. I'm unwinding or whatever. Maybe I'll tweet something, but I don't have time. I don't know how all these people have time to just live, live their life on Twitter. Because they've set him to pop up on their phone. I guess. That's it. That's I'm not it. even talking about just this. I'm just saying in general how people manage to spend mm-hmm. so much time on Twitter. I just don't have that time to do it. 
But uh, I had set an alert on Amazon. And I'm so damn busy. It's like the it's just the thing about the Amazon. Alerts I do is they stuff don't work. like that. Uh, I didn't know that, but it's like I do stuff like that because I don't have the time. So I set it and I forget it, and I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. good. When they go on sale, I'm going to get an alert. I'll buy it immediately. Done. Well, and then the, I wake up the next day, and they're like, Amazon's all sold out. I'm like, dude, well, what the, the... Well, the Amazon... First off, the Amazon email alert thing doesn't work. It, it works for stuff that comes back in and doesn't immediately sell out, because you get the email like the next day. Oh. Uh, the other thing is, you would never have gotten the email alert anyway, because it went up on our different page. Right. Which is Because I, I mean, I did have that email alert thing signed up for that, just in case. You know, I know it doesn't yeah. work, but just, you know, a little bit extra doesn't hurt. And I never got an email for that because that, that page I never went live. It. I still haven't got an email because it never yet. went live. <laughs> that 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 page for the if you still the same with uh, earlier this morning they were doing Xbox One X like Wario sixty four posted that like oh it's live again the pre-orders for Xbox One X are live again they last about two hours but if you, you you could get to it by clicking through on his Twitter on his tweet but if you just searched Xbox One X on Amazon you got a sold out it's a different page. How does he even find that page? I don't know. <laughs> It's crazy. If we knew that, we'd be Wario 64. Yeah, I would not. I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he provides a service for everybody, but I would not. So, do yeah, that I myself. did get one, which is, as I said, I'm not waiting in line. I'm not doing But if I can get there and get a pre order on and not have to do anything, I got it. So, done. I think I've given up. It's like. Well, there's supposed to be another wave coming. If in, one falls uh, into my lap and it works out okay. How about this? But uh, if, the ne- if the next wave happens and, uh, and well, you know, I get alerted by Wario64, I will immediately text you. Please do. That would be great. <laughs> I would appreciate it. You could be my Wario64 for yeah. one day. But uh, so, I, at this point, I'm over it. I'm not. I can't, like, give up my life to try to buy a micro console. Right. Like, I just can't. I am too damn busy. I can't do it. So. If it happens that I see it and it's for sale, I'll yeah. get Toys, it. Toys R Us is not taking pre-orders at all, so theoretically you could walk in on the 29th of September and, and, and get it, but of course you're going to be behind about 4,000 other you people. You know that's not going to happen. You I never mean, know. The problem is, is that we have these bots that people can pay $100 for mm-hmm. that go and suck up all the freaking pre-orders and oh, these, yeah. for scalpers. And the scalpers, just immediately, they're already on eBay and they haven't even come out yet. There are people who have these, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, we curated an unboxing of this, like, yesterday. Yes, I was the European one, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like, how the hell did they get that thing? A lot of stuff falls off trucks. I mean, it hasn't doesn't come out for, like, a month and a half or whatever. Mm. <laughs> what the hell? You should... I mean, you know, I, I collect you know, all the Transformers and stuff. You see those show up. You know, the, the Those... The new figures show up on, like, review, you know, YouTube reviewers, you know, for, um, you know, months... Two months earlier than they hit shelves. I Do you mean, think they're just sending them to them though? No, they're not. They're not. Mo- they're I mean, getting them sometimes somehow. it does, but like a lot of times, like especially like a few years ago, before like YouTube reviewer stuff became a thing, a thing enough that like companies would actually send them to what they who they saw as influence. So now that happens more often. Um, and then third party market, those guys send early samples to reviewers constantly because that's their bread and butter. But Hasbro, like generally, generally it's closer to to, to launch. But you'll see them like two or three months out, and the reason that is because basically people at the factories are they're falling off the truck, quote unquote, and you'll right. they'll sell and they'll sell them for this huge markup. There was actually there was a guy a few years ago who basically um, he was famous for like having the, the stuff first, having the early the Transformers stuff first, and finally one time he showed up like basically crying on a YouTube video because he was broke and had no money because he'd spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars buying. $15 figures early from like Chinese right. sellers that were trying to get basically it was it was like he bankrupted himself trying to buy these things early from people who were like 
they were falling off the truck at the factory. You should have done the math on uh, YouTube for ad, nothing. YouTube yeah, exactly. ad yeah. Revenue. it was never going to pay off. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. but that's a thing that happens. Is like you never you know, if if you got an inside connection at one of these factories, you can get one early, way early, because they make them, you know, months out. Yeah. So I'm sure most of the most of the ones, you know, one of the reasons I'm sure they did these pre-orders when they did is because the first batch out of the factory is done and they know how many they got. Yeah. Can we just say that Nintendo has just not gotten any better at this? They, I mean, they got a little better at it in the sense that they could you could pre-order this one. Yeah. You couldn't do that with the NES Classic. Right. There were no pre-orders taken. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, wait, I dude, mean they, just putting it on sale at two in the morning. I mean, part of this is because what the hell? Well, yeah, that I don't know if that's their call or Amazon's call. Um, I mean, it should be able to mandate that stuff if it wants to. I don't know if you can. I don't know how that works. I don't know if, if you can mandate anything to Amazon, frankly. Uh, Best Buy. That's a good question for Pactor Factor people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pactor might know more about that. Yeah. Uh, Best. I mean, Best Buy went up at a reasonable time for us around eight p.m. Yeah. But if you're on the East Coast, you probably and have a job, you probably went to sleep already. Yeah. Um, Two in the morning. So another. Who puts one of the most anticipated products. Of Q4 2017, up for sale at 2 and 5 in the morning. Amazon. That's insane. It's Amazon. Amazon don't care. <sighs> That's the other, and the other thing you're looking at is like you see, saw it on Twitter and you saw it on like various forums. A bunch of people only want one of these things. We're buying four of them because they're afraid that the pre- you know they, they bought one at Best Buy. They, they pre-ordered one at Amazon. They pre-ordered one at Target, which went live the next morning. Um, they're because they're afraid, like last time with Walmart, they're going to get their pre-orders canceled, which is certainly not going to happen because this is clearly, this is clearly, you know, Walmart made it made a mistake there. Clearly, this is when everything was supposed to actually go up. Some so, of those people are also using that as an excuse to scalp them. Maybe, but I mean, they're not, not all. But, but they're some. not like these aren't the people that you're talking about. You know, there, there's somebody on NeoGaf who posted a screenshot of like their Amazon order queue, and it was like six orders of fifteen each. You know, like and. And it's Amazon like, allowed that? Oh, Amazon doesn't care. Nobody knows. No store cares. Wait, I mean, you best, could have ordered like a hundred of those things from Amazon? Yeah, he got and a, it would have let them? He got a few of them canceled, but he did He did get, I think, 30 or so. Are you freaking kidding me? They don't care. Wow. Best and buy. that's where Nintendo should step in Nintendo and be like one per that's customer. Not, that's not Nintendo's call. It should. It can it's be. Not. No, Absolutely. it's not. I worked retail 10 years. The manufacturer cannot make... That's, re, that's a retail store's policy. Wow. That's, Amazon doesn't care. Uh, Best Buy, I believe you could only get two. Uh, I don't know what Target's limit was. If well, that explains everything. That's why nobody That's part can of get it. them. Well, it's also I mean, why it sold out faster on Amazon. Yeah. Um, but it's like the retail, the retail. Everyone talks about how there should be limits to this. The retail stores don't care. All they, they care just, about is selling them. They just want them off the show. Did you think about revenue. that? That guy just made for just being awake. Or following Wario sixty four, he just made thousands and thousands and thousands Probably. of dollars. Although I would, I mean, Probably. I mean, it's not. Well, he look, definitely did. Not necessarily, but it's like the, his hysteria and the FOMO is going to lead to that, sure. But like, there's another wave of pre-orders coming in mid-September, according to Nintendo. Uh, they said they're going to ship more throughout the calendar year, so you have until December to to, to follow Wario sixty four. If if you know if the fans were smart, they would hold off and not pay scalper prices for these things because there's going to be some more coming. They might still have to get lucky, but people are you know the fans won't. It's the parents who will somewhat. But They'll all go but, on eBay. But the They'll fans, be like, Billy the wants fans, this. The fans are already buying those ridiculous bundles for Think Geek, where it was yeah. like they, it was like you got that and some like terrible overpriced Nintendo toy or something yeah. for like three hundred dollars, which they're basically and they all sold out. Also, is, Think Geek is owned by GameStop. So, Which like, GameStop does the same thing though. Yeah. It bundles the stuff together. And oh, I saw yeah. GameStop was like, oh, you can go to our stores, 
we're getting more, but it's like they're just going to do the same thing. They're going to bundle it together with a bunch of tchotchkes. You, can, you know, people got them, you know, solo. At the one, but was it like they were saying on Twitter? Like, GameStop's War- site crashed. Yeah, well, GameStop said like you know they when Wario sixty four tweeted it out. A couple of people were like, yeah, I got to my local GameStop three minutes after that tweet went out because I wasn't in the car. Yeah. And I went there, and there were already two people in line ahead of me. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it, it happens so it's fast. Insane, you know? it's, it's, it's insane. That's why I gave up. Because I just I don't have the time to be one of these people. I can't. Mm. I just don't. Well, I'm not one of these people. I just... I just set Wario 64 to blow my phone up every day. Yeah. And uh, I might turn that off now. <laughs> yeah. um, Until something He else. does tweet a lot. He does, uh, yeah. He's got a lot. But I, again, I also, I also got, um, it, was, it was like a couple weeks ago, but I, he tweeted like, oh, the, the, for some reason, the mobile site of Best Buy's store is showing up that they have copies of the limited edition of Fire Emblem Echoes. And I didn't get that. I didn't have that. And so I went in and I got it. And I ordered it. And, I'm, and, and it worked. How does he and I got find it. that stuff? It didn't. And I went to it on my laptop. And it's like it, it was sold out. You went through it through the mobile link. And it, and it was there. And they sent it. It, it, it was right there. I it feel worked. bad for him. And I mean, that maybe was, he enjoys it. And that, that was what? Know. Like three months after the game came out? It's like he's built his Twitter handle on this. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you stop? I don't know. I feel bad. Well, I mean, for him. I guess you stop just because you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. It's not like somebody's paying him for it. Yeah, right? they should. Yeah, be like, serious. Maybe I don't know. Maybe as a Patreon or something. Well, it was funny. Like when he was curating Fuck, I've, for Sifton, I was like, I guess I don't need to tell you what deals to curate. Right. <laughs> I mean, hell, after this, like, uh, like I might throw some money his way for Patreon. I mean, he saved me a lot of trouble. Yeah, he should start a Patreon. Uh, he must. He must have one. I yeah? haven't heard about it. He's he's not like that. I think he would turn it down, actually, if people really? try to give him money. He's a really good guy. Hmm. And I realize people think he's, like, this faceless, like, robot. He's a real person, and he's, <laughs> like, a nice, good person. Like, I loved interacting with him every day. So, take the money, Wario. You, should, you deserve it, man. Right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game. Yeah, Wario is all about the money. Like, you he you named yourself not. after the crazy... Yeah. The crazy money-grubbing yeah. Nintendo character. Yeah. Maybe that's the irony of his yeah, name. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> We're going to talk next about a game I've been playing the last couple of days, a game called Observer. Matt, have you played this at all? No, I own it, but I haven't played it yet. You just bought it and just haven't had a I got it to... in like a... I, bought, I got it in Hellblade and a couple of agents of everything all at once. Oh, okay. I basically bought all that week stuff, and gotcha. I just haven't gotten around to this one. Well, you should play it. That's what I hear. <laughs> it is... Uh, I've only seen one negative review of this game, and it was really negative. Like, it's either like... There was all like... High eights and low nines, and then like a four. Yeah, well, it happened. I mean, especially like these arty games, like you run that risk of like just not connecting with certain people. I mean, look at Yahtzee's uh, review of Hellblade. It was like he played yeah. a different game than we did. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely so, right. Um, this isn't. I wouldn't even really call this an arty game, though. It isn't like a like everybody's gone to the rapture, right. like walking simulator type game. Um, but it has its aesthetic and it has its goal, and and its its aesthetic really is what the game is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is I wouldn't call it a walking simulator. It's more it's an adventure game. Yeah, it feels more like a detective kind of thing. It is. It's like a detective adventure puzzle solving type game, and uh, it's set in 2084. And people are calling it like cyberpunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess that's accurate. Um, yeah, it's it, from it's what I've this, seen. It's it's it. Qualifies. Yeah, it's set in 2084. The world's basically been wiped out by a war. Um, both the east and the west attacked each other at once, and the missiles just went and destroyed both sides. A massive corporation has swooped in and taken over, kind of control of society. Uh, cyberpunk. It is. 
<clears throat> I say, like, we're, we're starting to live cyberpunk, but we're getting all the boring parts first. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're Way right. more corporate control, not enough bionic limbs. You're Let's right. Say. You're right. Uh, and you play as a cop who's obviously working for this corporation or whatever. Um, but, like, cops aren't allowed to carry weapons or anything like that. They've basically been neutered. Uh, they're really, I guess, just essentially peacekeepers at this point mm-hmm. uh, without, a, without a peacemaker. And uh, the game starts, you're sitting in your cop car, you get, like, a call from, I guess I'm assuming headquarters, but it's this person who kind of watches over you. And she talks about how... Observes you? Yeah. Mm. And uh, she tells you you've been slipping a little bit, they've been (laughs) monitoring you, and you're not acting right, and have you been taking your medicine? And you say, no, I haven't been taking my medicine. She's like, well, take it right now, you take it. You kind of go through this almost like an epileptic fit or something like that. And then you come back, and then she's like, all right, thanks for taking it. She leaves. And then you get this weird transmission over your little screen in your car, and it's your son. And your son has been missing for a long time. You didn't have a great relationship to begin with, um, but you haven't heard from him. Because your your character is like in his 50s or something, right? Yeah, he's older. Yeah. And uh, the son is basically saying, I'm not who I used to be. It's very ambiguous what he says. Um, But... After you get off the call with the sun, it kind of breaks up and he goes away. You kind of trace the call, triangulate it back to this like weird apartment complex. You go to the apartment complex, you go in, um, and this is where you start actually like meeting the people of the game. Uh, lots of cybernetic enhancements, like the guy who runs the apartment complex is like an, an arm that's robotic and half of his head is missing. It's been replaced with like this thing. Um, and you start de- detectiving, if that's a word, I think I just made up a word, detective-ing in the apartment complex and you try to find the room where your son's cell phone signal came from and this is where the detective stuff really starts like there's conversation trees like when you're first talking to the uh, apartment complex manager um there you have options when you talk to him but uh, what i discovered is that like no matter what you talked about it always ended up going back to like the same thing Mm. um so there maybe later on i've not finished the game yet but maybe later on those trees have a bigger a bigger impact on how that all plays out um but you get enough information out of him that you kind of figure out which room your the signal is coming from so you work your way through the through the hotel it's really dingy and dirty and the one thing i will say is the style of this game is like crazy it's like um it's like living in the matrix i guess is the best way to put it there's all just kinds of weird like visual overlays over everything like when you're walking through this dirty apartment building there's just like crazy like digital stuff laying over top of it the eventual end game of ar yeah and you're right absolutely um and eventually you find his room and this is where the detective stuff really starts so you find like a headless body in the room and you have essentially two scanners in your eyes one will scan for biological stuff the other scans for like electronics essentially i don't remember the exact names of the scanners or whatever um and one is two is the two left tri- the left shoulder buttons and the other scanner is the two right shoulder buttons so one to activate it and then two to kind of scan um you scan the body and it, it'll do like dna analysis and things like mm-hmm. that and basically what you're you figure out where the room really is and then you have to go through this very simple puzzle in the room to find a keypad and then unlock the keypad to unlock the room that you need to go to and that's kind of how it plays out once you kind of finish that small puzzle you find like a master control room and you're in there and you're digging around and, you, and next thing you know you spin around in the apartment complex guys like standing right behind you huh. so the game is i don't want to call it cheap like the one review that really railed the game railed it because it felt that the scares were cheap um 
I don't think so. There are like this wasn't really a jump scare. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's just right behind you, and yeah. you've already seen him. You've already established a relationship with him. You know he's weird, and he's a little off kilter, and your conversation with him did not go great. So you've kind of had this fear of him the whole time you're kind of poking around as a detective. You find this control room where you're kind of looking around on computers, and like next thing you know, he's like right behind you. And it's not that there's like a crazy like sound hit, mm. or there's a big flash on the screen to scare you. It's like, holy crap, that guy who's running the apartment complex is right behind me right now for some reason. So it's like, a, to me, it's legitimately scary. It's not like they're using cheap tactics to get the mm-hmm. scares. Once you have that little meeting, though, that's where things start to take off. And I guess one thing I would say about this game is, if you have epilepsy, do not play this game. <laughs> it's like, you know, every game has those warnings at the beginning. Mm-hmm. This one means it. I'm telling you, some of the stuff that they've done with this game, I mean, it is really, like, on the edge. Like, it, it put me on the edge. while Playing it with my big TV and headphones on... I mean, it made me feel uncomfortable, some of the stuff that you see. Because what happens is you get, eventually get the ability where you can hack into people's minds. Mm-hmm. And the things that you see in their mind, you, you don't want to see. Like, it's really horrible. And, like, the way it's cut together and with all the flashing and everything, it's intense. Like, and that all ties into what I said earlier about the pill. There's a, this pill. And you can, when you bring up your pause screen, you can choose when to take the pill or when not to take the pill. Nobody forces <laughs> you. But every time you open up the pause screen, the option's there. Take a pill. And part of, at least what I've played so far, part of the mystery in the detective part of the game is figuring out what's going on with you. Mm. And what the pill is, why you should take the pill, whether you should take the pill. What I've discovered so far is it appears that the longer I go without taking the pill the more intense these visual visions are that you're getting in the game. Mm. Um, I am about three hours into the game at this point. Uh, I don't see any signs of stopping. I'm really, really enjoying it. It is different, and it is really creepy and really scary. I think part of it, too, is that the on a technical level, the game's not great. Um, character models are really rough. The facial animation's rough. The The voice acting for the for the lead protagonist in this game is really weird (laughs) he he's older like you said but he has this really gruff voice and he doesn't really enunciate he kind of mumbles a little bit Hmm. it's very curious like i uh i'm kind of torn on it it's like i like it because it's completely different from like any other video game i've ever played i've never heard voice acting like this in a game he like i've been in a lot of uh like casting calls for voice actors and brought people in and auditioned them to do stuff and for various projects He's the guy that you reject, usually, like, hmm. right away. He's the guy you hear the first couple sentences, you're like, nope, we'll let him finish reading the paragraph, but nope. But the, he is the lead character in the game, and he narrates constantly. Either he's narrating stuff, or he's talking to the other character. You hear his voice <coughs> continually throughout the entirety of the game. And uh, at first, I hated it, and then it started growing on me, and then I started questioning why they hired this. It's just, I hope you play it eventually, because mm-hmm. I want to hear your take on what they did with it. It's memorable, because how often do I even really bring up voice acting yeah. when I'm talking about a game on Game Face? Very rarely. It's um, usually my thing. It is. But this this game, because it's so different, it has kind of had an impact on me. But <coughs> it's hard to get a lot of emotion out of him. As far as whether he cares about something or he doesn't. Like, I still don't even know if he really cares about his son all that much. Mm. Just kind of the way he, he his meter is and the way he kind of voices the lines in the game. So, 
it's a very peculiar game. It's definitely not a walking simulator. It's definitely not just a traditional adventure game. And it's not just like a generic horror adventure either. And I think that's why it's resonating with me so much is that it, <clears throat> it, it is kind of something unlike I've ever played before. There, <clears throat> if I do have one criticism, it's that there is like, you do waste a lot of time in some instances. Like, like the one sequence where you're kind of looking for a room in the apartment complex, you have to go up and talk to like everyone. Everyone's door has like a little TV on it, mm. and you're knocking on everyone's doors and you're talking to them, trying to figure out, getting clues about your son, and that stuff. It just takes forever, and the writing isn't great, so the stuff they say is kind of cliched, and so there. And it's rough. Like, technically, it's really rough. Like, the frame rate in the game on the PlayStation 4 is terrible. Literally just stutters, mm -hmm. like, when you turn corners and enter new rooms. And, I mean, these environments are, like, the size of our room here for the studio. They're not big. Um, so, on a technical level, a Bloober team needs a new engine, I guess is what I would say. But aesthetically and artistically, this game is, like, over the moon. Um, and if you're a cyberpunk guy, buy it. Don't think twice. You're going to love it. You're going to eat it up. Um, I love that it's not tongue-in-cheek and it's a more serious take on kind of that aesthetic, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, I think it's 15 bucks, if I remember correctly. I, I, they sent me a code to play it, but I believe it's $15. Uh, but I am really enjoying it. And playing it at night with the lights off, with headphones on, it's been a great experience so far. So I definitely recommend it. And mm -hmm. I think most of the, the bulk of the reviews, based upon what I've played so far, have been pretty accurate if you want to get <clears throat> more detail than what I've given you here today. But... Uh, I'm loving it. All Having right. a good time. I'll try it at some point. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear your take once you give it a go as well. Here's another game I'm playing that I'm not as enthused with, and everyone else seems to be, and that's Nidhogg 2. Did you play the first Nidhogg? Yeah, I played the first one a lot. This... I loved it. I physically hate the art style in Nidhogg 2. Like, <laughs> it's I really can't weird. stand how it looks. It's so weird. I mean, the first game was kind of weird, too. Yeah, but, like, it was... It Not was, this kind of weird, no, though. No, this one, like, I just don't see... I mean, I, I it's think... It's just ugly. It's, yeah, it's, I don't like how it looks at all. And, like, normal... I'm not, like, oh, I'm not going to play this game because of the art style person. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I hate Akira Toriyama's art, too, but I'll play a Dragon Quest game. Right. I, you know, I don't... It doesn't, like... It's not a deal-breaker for me. It's a deal-breaker on this for me. I don't want to look at that. It is an ugly game, I, I will say. It's really garish and... And I love it. I love like the stick figure animation of the first game. I, I I thought the minimalism of that was great, and like I feel like this is not an improvement. Yeah, I mean, I think the first game probably lacked personality to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, I think it made it, it was memorable because it was so Spartan yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, personality, a lot of it came from like you know yelling at each other while you're playing on the you know like the the multiplayer aspect of it is really the selling point. Um, but ding just, ding ding. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. The multiplayer aspect of this game is all that matters. The single player in this game is... Oh, is there single player? Yes. <laughs> like a campaign kind of thing? Not really. Okay. It's just a collection of stages lined up in a row. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like a tug of war. Right. You know, it's the same thing. Like, you have to fight to the other guy's base, and he tries to fight to your base. And once you make it to the end of the stage, if you keep going all the way right to the end, you finish the stage. Some really weird looking creature like eats you it's the nidhogg yeah it's like it's it's a it's a norse mythology thing but it looks so ugly yeah like, it's like you said the whole game looks so ugly playing this game by yourself is the worst <laughs> it is no fun whatsoever there's a box quote for you yeah <laughs> well 
Playing this game by yourself is the worst. It really is the worst. Like, there's really no fun to be had whatsoever playing it by yourself. Like, like, like in the first game, you could play uh, you know, by yourself, but basically it was practice. Yeah. You know? I mean, this isn't... There's no cutscenes or anything. No. It's just like, pick your stage, here's this one, and then you just start playing it, you finish it, the Nidhogg eats you, and then you just do the next one. There's not, a, like, a narrative or anything mm. like that in the game. Uh, but, yeah, this game is... is com- as a single-player game, mm. it is completely worthless. But uh, as a multiplayer game, this game certainly shines. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple concept. It's one of those games that your casual friends can come over and they get it. I mean, you know, it's one of the most simple games to control ever. Mm-hmm. Very few buttons. Um, but the complexity comes into, into the game with the strategy, essentially. Yeah. The various things you can do and how you use you know, the Certainly there was a lot of uh, the, the many matches hinged in the first game on uh, who, who knew better when to throw the sword. Yeah, throwing is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. That tends to be what you can use to catch opponents off guard the most. But you know what? Sometimes you can just run into somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of yeah. it, though. It's like sometimes doing nothing is the right thing to do. Even just playing a single player, I found myself a lot of times just mistiming it and just running into the enemy's sword and dying. Uh but it is, and I, we probably should have explained to people what it is. Right. It is a sword fighting game um, where, like I described earlier, it's like a tug of war to get to the other player's Right. And basically, like, you're, goal. You're, it's two, two characters sword fighting, and, you know, it's one hit kill, and then you, inst- you know, almost instantly respawn at the other, at the, your side of the screen. Right. And the idea is that, like, but every time you die or the other person dies, that person can move, the winner can move forward a little bit. And the idea is to get past the opponent and onto the next screen and you get far enough enough screens in your in the direction you're trying to push uh you win you win the match and yeah. then you get eaten by the nidhog and that's your reward yeah and it's not uh it's not how many times you kill the other no, player no it's unlimited lives it's all about getting past them. and sometimes you can you know there's, there's uh if you can jump you don't even have to kill them if you can jump over them and get like you know the way clear you can run for the touchdown basically or you can if you're the person who got jumped over you can just jump into the pit and die right so you respawn and that, but that's strategy. Like that's all part of what you're thinking about while you're playing the game, and th- that's why it is different. And it's not even really about the fencing because the fencing is really simple. Mm-hmm. It's like you can attack medium, high, and low. You can throw the sword, and you can jump, and that's pretty much the extent of your abilities. But it's how you use those simple controls to forge strategies, and and there's edge defending. There's there's a lot of depth to the game once you kind of get into the groove. And there mm-hmm. are like jumping slashes. Like you can jump. And then come down with the slash. But after you do that, if you miss, you're a sitting duck. You're basically just sitting there waiting to get slashed and killed. Um, but I think that's the charm of this game is how easy and simple it is to kind of pick up and play. But for people who really get into it, there is a lot of depth there. Um, you know, back when I played the first game, like, a noob couldn't just come in and just win. Mm-hmm. It's like people who had been playing the game actually would beat the person who came in and was just starting to play it. So... There is some skill involved. It's not all luck. Although there is, that's an element of it. Because you don't know, because the other part of it too is like, if, you're bo- if you both have your sword at medium, you block. Mm-hmm. If you both have it high, you block. If you have both have it low, you block. So there is some strategy in that, like, which angle is your enemy coming from? Where am I going to put my sword? Um, but I think that's why the first one was such a big hit. And I think I'd agree with you too that the aesthetics of the first one were better, at least more mm-hmm. inviting. This At least game it, is it, fit, just, it fit the gameplay. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, this makes no sense whatsoever. The art in this game is just awful. Yeah. Like, 
I know art is a subjective thing typically, but I I, w- I really think I w- you would struggle to find somebody who looks at this game and says that's pretty. Yeah, like, I, just don't I, don't, I don't know why they. I mean, I think I saw there was some interview where they explained why they went for this art style, but I didn't actually read it because I'm, you didn't care. Because like, I was just you I was could not give me an excuse. Yeah, I was like, there was no possible explanation. <laughs> like that would make any sense no, whatsoever. Would, you're not going to save yourself from this on me with me. No, uh, but look, if you like the first Nidhog, here's more of it. Uh, yeah. There's a bunch of more. Here's a really ugly more of it. Yeah, here's a bunch of new stages for you to play, mm-hmm. and the stages do make a difference in this game yeah. for sure. Um, it's not pretty, but the mechanics are the same. They work the same. I don't think there's been any changes to how the game actually plays from the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you could probably find the first Nidhog for like, almost nothing, like a dollar. Yeah. And this one's like I think fifteen as well, probably. And yeah. So it's hard to recommend over mm. the first one. It'll be in a humble bundle in a year, and you can do it then, I guess. I mean, I, that kind of feels... I mean, we end up saying that about a lot of indie games, though, right? It's true, but... <laughs> I mean, there aren't very many indie games that we say buy at full price. Yeah. We almost always end up saying, wait you, a couple months. You just did it, though, with Observer. Yeah. It's, that's rare, though. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the only times. And I mean, we've talked about some big indie games on this show... That a lot of people have told people to just go buy for full price, mm-hmm. and we're almost always like, no, 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 just wait. Even a couple months, it'll drop five or ten bucks at least. So yeah, we are part of the problem. Yeah. So I, it, to me, Nidhogg's a hard sell at full price. I w- um, it would be an insta buy for me if it didn't look like that. Really? I loved the first one. Yeah. I just, it, but I just hate the art, the art on this thing. I can't. I don't even want to look at it. The game can be frustrating too. Yeah. I should add. Because oh, yeah. there is so much luck involved, because there's not a lot of telegraphing, mm-hmm. so it's hard to tell if someone's going to go high, medium, or low, and so it's like there's no tells, so you're just kind of guessing. Yeah, well, you got to know your opponent, so it, it, it gets better the more you play against, against some, the somebody. same person. You're right, absolutely. That is, that's a really good point, actually. Um, but when you're playing online... right. I mean, it really is made for couch. Yeah, couch. But. I mean, especially because of the, the reaction times involved. Like, yeah. it's going to be better local co-op. And I local, would, local game multiplayer. And co-op. I would chop down the desire to buy this game based upon if you have people to play with you locally. Right. It goes up in that case. If yeah. you don't, then that gives you even less reason to buy the game. Mm-hmm. Um, online multiplayer with lag. and I just noticed with uh, I was playing some more Madden today, the kick meter in Madden... It's like impossible online hmm. because it's like going. Eh, 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 eh. It's not mm. like smooth. Yeah, and so now that every and I, I did I published a game about yesterday, but I was mostly playing with other journalists on test servers. Now everyone's playing it, and now I'm getting lag, so I may have to go ahead and adjust the game eval a little yeah, bit. It's one of the highest unadjusted scores I've seen from Sifted. From Sifted, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it has everything. Mm-hmm. It's a complete package now that it has a story. In years past, it was getting a zero a goose egg right. in that category every year. And it got a 7 in that category this year. So it's a complete game. Who would have knew? A sports game. I think it's our fourth highest score ever on Sifted, I think. Yeah, so it's 7.3, I think. Yeah. yeah. And the, the funny part for me is when my score on Sifted is like a 6.6 or whatever. <laughs> because I'm a big gameplay guy. Mm-hmm. And the gameplay is, oddly enough, one of the worst elements mm-hmm. of the game right. now. So my, my personal score on Sifted for it is lower than that. But. Yeah, it looks like on uh, like Witcher 3, my review, I think my review is like a 7.7. 7. Yeah. And then if you look at it, if you adjust it through my preferences, it's an 8.4. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. It works. <laughs> Believe it or not, it works. We've thought about tweaking the algorithm because people complain so much. They're like, all oh, your mm-hmm. scores are so low or whatever. We've thought about going and kind of 
increasing the impact of the user ratings on it mm. to get the end resulting scores closer to the seven to nine scale. Not even <laughs> that, but so that like the games that we think are the best games get closer to a ten right. than they are right now. Um, but we haven't done it yet. Yeah. So. It is, I mean, it is true that I would probably put like Witcher three somewhere in the nine point five range. Personally, like yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it on a typical review scale, for yeah. sure. I mean, I've reviewed games for I've done gaming vows for Sifted, where you know, if I were reviewing on the GT scale, I know exactly what I would have given it, mm-hmm. and what it gets on Sifted is lower than what I would have given it. But that's but when you look at like, apples and oranges. But also when you look at like you know, like what you said about giving story a zero, like while it does wreck the curve in some ways, that makes like I mean, obviously we don't have that many years to go back through. But like if you say say ten years from now, if you're comparing all these Madden games together, like that makes a really dramatic difference when you're comparing them. See, this is this is proof of why we do it the way we do it because people are like, well, why would you? Why would you rate story in Madden? Why would you rate story in Madden? Because well, now there is. Now, how would I have expressed to you that this year's Madden is better than last year's Madden if I did not rate the story a zero in Madden last year? It right there is a perfect example of why we do our game of the way we do it. And again, I'm not begrudging people or other publications for doing them the way they do them. I get why they do it. I just think this is a better system. So it's definitely not the industry standard. Nope, but without a doubt. And I worked it, in the industry standard yeah. for. 18 years or whatever. But that, so. is, that is not autom- an automatic criticism of something. That's true. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Uncharted The Lost Legacy. I have still not got a chance to play this. I've played it a bit, a um, couple hours. Yeah. Um, First thing I want to ask you is, is the change that drastic? Does it really feel like more of an open world game from the base game? Not really. No. Not so far. I mean, okay. it feels... I mean, look, I'm not that far into it. I've done the first... I think I'm on, like... You know, you know, they have the numbered chapters yeah. or whatever. No, I'm saying I think I'm on five okay. or something like that. Um, the way... I mean, it's... The beginning is... Well, it uh, sounds like you're a third of the way done with it already. Yeah, I'm getting there. Um, it's Uncharted 4. With, with, it's an expansion with pack. two characters. Uncharted 4. It's with the two characters. And, that's, and by the way, you're, the other character doesn't really help much. Oh, really? Well, that's that's kind of par for the course in Uncharted. Um, she, I mean, she does... Uh, Nadine does shoot people and grab them sometimes, but I've been blindsided by, like, a flanking enemy constantly. Like, and I'm like, where were you on that one? And she'll yell. She'll be like, look out behind you or whatever. And I'm like, how about not looking out behind me? How about just shoot, shoot the him. guy? Yeah. <laughs> and there are a couple times when she, like, pulls her gun and she's shooting, and it's like, it just... Whole nothing. magazines, nothing. <laughs> like, and, I, and they're this far away from each other. I'm just watching her just like shoot this guy and fail. I'm just like, oh, okay. And like, I'm hi- I hired you to be the bodyguard. You That's know? always like, been. Chloe sits though. there and talks about how I don't know if you're worth the money. I'm like, I don't think she is worth the money, <laughs> Chloe. I, 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 I like Nadine as a character, but she's yeah. not. She's not really pulling her weight. So well, far. the funny part is Nadine though in the base game is a badass. Oh, she's still a badass in the cutscenes, but in, <laughs> when you're actually playing, she's just running around like Sully, like looking around for like I a mean, tree to hide behind. They've her. always done that, right? I mean, the Uncharted has always been that way. Now, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're just why are you even here? It's just but, for the banter, right. back and forth, really. So the like the beginning part is like pretty, It's roughly what you saw at the at the, tra- at the teaser, the announcement trailer, where you're walking through the streets in uh, mm-hmm. in India. And, you're, and you and you have to find the, roof, the door, and you go on the roof, and she shows up, and there's a big chase, and you you know you that's break, the beginning of the game, yeah, and then you break into the uh, the, the the location of the rebel because there's a big war going on, right? Rebels versus whatever, and they're, I mean they're, they're air striking the city. I mean, is there any kind of tie into the end of Uncharted Four? Um, 
not yet, but they, they're, they're hinting at it. They have a lot, of, Chloe and Nadine have a lot of conversations back and forth, and at one point early on, Nadine says, like, because Chloe's, you learn a, bit, a little bit more about Chloe's backstory, and her father was an archaeologist and all this stuff. And how like she, Lara Croft. And she's just, a, she's just a thief. You know, she's like, she's like, he taught me all these things, but I just, I, you know, I don't see, he did it because he loved it, and I do it because I don't do anything that there's no money in, basically. Right. Okay. And Nadine's like, oh, family business, that's cool. And, and then, and Chloe's like, Chloe's like, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, and, and Nadine's like, it turns out her, the company that she was, you know, the, the paramilitary company she was heading, uh, when you first run into her in Uncharted 4, was her father's. No. Oh. Um, so she's got a lot of guilt over, you know, kind of dropping that ball over the course of the right. Uncharted 4. Uh, so it was her dad's company, and it's gone now. And so she's working as a freelance mercenary, basically, right. now, for Chloe. And um, and she says something like, um, I mean, you know about family businesses, sort of, because you, you know, you, you, you're close with those, the, Drake, the Drake boys. Right. And Chloe's like, yeah. And, like, there's sort of this implication about, like, you know, yeah, that's a different story, and like so. There's, there's some kind of so, and 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 there's even a moment where where they they talk. Nadine brings it up again, and Chloe's like, "Yeah, I mean, I know Nate really well. Da, da, da. He's got his own thing going on right now, it's, and it's cool." Um, Sam, I barely know. It's like he showed up out of thin air one day. I'm just like, <laughs> ah, like, wink, funny. wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, I like that though. But um. So, so you can tell that, like, kind of the the, the personal character story and sort of the the, the way it kind of uh, smooths itself into the Uncharted universe is going to kind of unfold between their their conversations with each other. Um, and I'm not far enough to really know where that's going, but uh, uh, and the and the main bad guy who's the rebel the rebel leader who you break into like because he's close to finding this lost civilization thing and. Uh, uh, Chloe wants the tusk of Ganesha, and so does so does he. And so she finds he has this like little medallion thing, and and they steal it, and he catches them, and he knows Nadine um, okay. from back in the day, and seems to have had a thing for her, mm. although she does not seem to reciprocate that. Um, and Chloe uh, doesn't know doesn't know him at all. She just wants she just wants the little uh, medallion thing because that's the key to getting to the stuff right. so after you escape there's a big escape where you break through the window and you run through the, the rooftops and people are shooting at you and it's raining and all, I mean, it's, it's amazing I mean, is the it visuals, up to scratch with uh, oh yeah. yeah the visuals are unbelievable like, like the whole time and then after that you go to um, off in the jungle where like you know where, you, where this lost civilization is and uh, that's where it opens up and it's, it's same like in Uncharted 4 now you have a jeep with a winch on it, and you're right. gonna drive around. You have to drive to the place and get get up the tower and look at the. Okay, these are the, the three places we got to go. And I have a map, and I mark them on the map. And I have to drive to the thing and go and have it's to use the winch. To it's exactly <laughs> the same thing, except there's more green. It's yeah. it's like a jungle and not like is a big open desert. Is there the whole mud desert. element? To yeah, it there's well? mud. Driving yeah. up the thing, you got to get the wheels on the on the right. concrete or the or the the grass part. Yeah. And get up the, I mean, it's the same thing. Wow. Like two that I think the jeep might even be the same color. Oh really? Um, <laughs> And, but like you know, but it's her. They still have the gas can banging around in the back. I don't think they do. No, I don't. I don't. If they did, I didn't recognize. It. I didn't yeah. notice it. Um, but it's fine. I mean, I don't. I I I like this better in the sense that I'm not um, subjected to Sam Drake. Yeah, uh, I you like, really hate him. I hate Sam. I really do. <laughs> it's like he's like the only. Uh, he's like I really. Usually, I like Troy Baker's characters, but I just don't like uh, Sam. Sam. It's not. It's not Troy Baker's fault. I mean, it's just you. But usually, Troy Baker can bring something to a character that makes me like them. He's a because he's a really good performer that way. And just Sam. Something about Sam bugs the hell out of me. Have you watched Bloodlines on Netflix? 
Mm, Bloodlines? Yeah, it's a show mm. on Netflix. Yeah. Well, there you should watch it because the it's about a family in the Florida Keys, and they have one brother who's like the bad apple. Mm. And I am telling you, I don't know if when they came up with Sam, but either Bloodlines based their character on Sam, mm. or Sam was based on this guy because it's like the same setup: the bad apple of the family. They both act the same way. Mm. They're very nonchalant and kind of off-putting. Yeah, Bloodlines is a great it. show. By the way, it. you should watch it. So I'm not done with that section yet. I've done two of the three towers because uh, you go to each. It's, it's like Uncharted Four. You go to the, the one place and like you know, you, inevitably the bad guys have beaten you there, right. and you have to kind of do the <laughs> you have to do the damn sneaking around on the tall grass thing, which I which clearly which is my least favorite part of yeah, Uncharted which is 4. clearly. I mean, that's the thing is like really it if, was better than prior Uncharted, though I would say. Oh, the sneaking was, but the thing is, I don't think sneaking belongs in Uncharted. Yeah, like, it's not a stealth game. really. Well, it's like because it fe- it really feels like Druckmann and company are sort of like, well, we're just gonna horn in the last of us yeah. like you know a <laughs> thing into this with tall grass and yeah. it's like i'm here i mean and you can just go loud and blow people you but you're usually you know the people complain about the way of the waist high walls but the reason they're there is so you have a, a cover to deal with yeah. and and play and a lot of times if you start stuff in this game you won't have proper cover um, to, to, you know, just to have your gunfight. Right. And so, you know, it's not that hard to go around and kill everybody. It's stealthy, stealthy style. Uh, and she has the grappling hook and all, you know, it's all the same stuff. Uh, it is Any odd. new mechanics at all? Not yet. Except okay. uh, lock picking. She can okay. pick locks, which is just, you know, you hold the thing when it, re- when it vibrates and she opens it. Um, and she can take pictures uh, with her phone and look at her phone. That's, what what's the purpose of the photos? Uh, nothing so far, yeah. except like early on uh, when you first get to the, when you were looking around for that uh, the, the the door, it, you see a picture of the red door, so you know what you're looking for. But because um, because uh, Nadine sends it to you to for the meeting place. But so far, it's just you can take pictures of you know little, little, the button pops up with a camera on it, and you can take a picture and look at it. That's the, actually one of the other things is just in the sense of attention to detail. Um, when when you look at the phone. Uh, you can zoom in, and when you zoom in, um, Chloe's hands are fucked up. What like, do you mean? Like mangled? Like, like she's, I mean, she spent her whole life climbing stuff and getting burned. Really? And, I mean, they're, they're ripped up. I mean, they're calloused and, and wow. rough, and like they look, I mean, clearly. That's naughty dog. This is a woman who does not have time for moisturizer <laughs> yeah. you know, on a regular basis, because she's got this like crazy, that's crazy that's life. That's one of the things that separates Naughty Dog's games. And she gets cuts on her hands over the course of like the game, and like, you know, you'll, different sections of the game you'll look, and like she's got like blood here, this nail's broken or whatever. Wow. And like, there was, a, I even, uh, there was a thing on Kotaku, I noticed this, but I saw Kotaku wrote a, an article about it where they're talking about how she, she has the map that she looks at in the open world section and like you can see on the map when she change when you mark stuff off or whatever you can see those marks on the map she's holding in the game and then when you zoom in for the map thing you can see it's identical like, the, wow. like they, they match it like that yeah. and he was like that's just amazing and then one of the developers tweeted at him a guy who wrote the thing was it Kirk Hamilton I don't know but he uh, one of the developers tweeted and it's like let me blow your mind further and say there is no map screen when you look at the map you're we looking just, at we just the move map. the camera to the thing that's in her hands <laughs> Because that's how high res our map is, motherfucker. And like, it, and it's just great. like naughty dog, everyone. Like, <laughs> Take wow. A bow. Yeah. It's Take a, a bow wow. I, I mean, I do think in a lot of, I think little things, little details in this game look better than Uncharted Four. I yeah. think, I think that the foliage looks better okay. in this. Um, it's just how many I'm, set pieces have you seen so far? Uh, I would say really only the one. Okay. Uh, the the the. 
the escape, the, the escape from the escape from the from the penthouse. Okay. Uh, and again, what I one of the things that I didn't like about Uncharted Four, and I continue to dislike about this, is there's not it's not as much focus on the on the the set pieces and more on like this kind of vague open world sneaky thing. Yeah. Which is not really what I want Uncharted to be. No, I agree. Uh, I'm ca- I'm I'm being pulled through this more because I like Chloe and I'm interested to find out more about her and and play as her and and see Nadine and they are very funny together in the Jeep. They'll talk back and forth. Uh, about stuff, and they are very funny. Um, Chloe, Chloe doesn't let anybody else drive. This is a, this is a, this is a thing. She, oh, she's okay. like, I just prefer to drive. It's like, why, why? like, no, just I just like to drive. I can drive. Like, yeah, but it's cool. But, but but then at least the points where like you know you have to get out of the car and you have to like you know like hook the the the, the winch around things and like pull and pull away and like and at, and at certain points I've been like I got to run all the way back to the jeep and I was like you can't you can't back out back the jeep up right Nadine, like you get <laughs> but, yeah, but but maybe you know it's, it's a little bit like maybe like oh Chloe doesn't let her drive ever right kind of thing yeah um it's a little th- I like some of the little things there's a little bit of a wink and a nod to kind of foibles of the series like where um like the first time you rip down ancient ruin doors to get in with the winch on the jeep and Nadine's kind of like Kind of, kind of thought you wouldn't be all all into the destroying the thousand year old ruin thing I mean, with the archaeological father. He's not, he's, she's like, I gotta get paid. It's yeah. like I don't care. You know, wow. like, like uh, cause you think about it with Nate too, like Nathan Drake, where he's where no, he, he just destroyed he, he everything, knocks stuff over all the time, yeah, and he's he like, care. oh, gotta get through. Don't care. You know. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a trademark. I mean, it goes back to Indiana Jones and and his predecessors. It was like, you know, ha ha, the man is here to right, <laughs> to, right. to find the golden idol. <laughs> the bull in the china. Who shop. cares about the hieroglyphics? Right. Know? But um, so but it's there's a it's a it's nicely self aware in in a way that four wasn't yeah. I think I, and I like that I mean some people might hate that like I, but I don't mind kind of that meta commentary especially on what is basically a spin off in a lot of ways but it does I think I, here's the main thing I don't really miss Nate much that was gonna be my next question um, do you miss the old cast I I literally was just about to ask that question I mean I will always miss Sully. Yeah, I love Sully. He's a great I, I think he's yeah. great, and I wish Uncharted Four had been about him and Nate, yeah. and not uh, Sam. Sam, but um, but the thing is, like Sully could show up. He could. I mean, he yeah. knows Chloe. Yeah, he re- I'm, there's implications. He really knows Chloe <laughs> in, at, at times, and um, uh, I think as long as the adventures there, as long as the exotic locales and kind of the the, the quest to solve the archaeological mystery is there, because that's the other thing is like. I like when Nate gets caught up in kind of the mystery of, you know, Shambhala or whatever he's looking for, you know, the, the, the Irem of the Pillars. All that stuff is interesting because I love that Indiana Jones sort of lost civilization yeah. thing. And since the motivation in 4 was like, gotta buy my brother out of trouble with the Mexican mafia or whatever yeah. it was, I, I didn't find that nearly as interesting. No, I agree with that. And in this one, it's it like... It kind of lost its tomb rating yeah. aesthetic a little bit. And like, bit. Chloe wants a payout here, clearly, but she's still, you know, she's still carrying the dusty books in her backpack, and she's doing the research, and she's finding yeah. the symbols, and she's teaching Nadine what all the Indian god names are, and, and correcting her pronunciation and stuff, and like... That, and so that element's back, and and while Chloe is in it for for the money, she still knows everything. She you know the, as, through the through the archaeological father thing, she still knows all her stuff, and she knows what everything is, and she does she's identifying what what you're looking at, and like it brings that sort of mystique of discovery back. Um, and I like you know that's what I like. I like the set pieces first, and kind of that element of like the Indiana Jones discovery. Uncovering the the mysterious past and Absolutely. from from these ancient civilizations. That's what resonates with me with this series. These ancient civilizations that were really good at pulleys. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> 
Yeah, like their right. elevator technology was a lost art for a long time until we came to the industrial age, apparently. Yeah. But um, like the fact that that's back is really cool. And frankly, like, um, I mean, I would definitely like to see them move more back to the kind of the set piece like ideas with the puzzle solving and less. Well, apparently there is a devilish puzzle in this. Yeah, game. the shadow, the shadow puzzle thing. I think I'm about to hit that because um, there were one day in our admin. Yeah, I saw that. There were literally like 40 stories about that I saw that it was the blurb was something like, yeah. about 5,000 of these have come through today, so we're going to publish one of them just so you guys are cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, just so you know. It it's must be a really tricky puzzle. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that yet, yeah. so I don't know. But uh, And there hasn't been anything particularly puzzling so far. Yeah. Um, very simple symbol stuff. But like it's, you know, I enjoy that. And I, I, if, if they would cut down on the whole sneak through the tall grass and grab guys from behind thing, I would be happier with it. But as it is, like... It feels like Uncharted to me in a way that Four didn't because of the shoehorning in of the Sam thing and the, and also like I guess I'm not like immediately disappointed by the stealth focus because I knew it was going to be there because I've already played Four. Right. Um, Is it forty dollars? No, nah, it's thirty. It's thirty. It's thirty. Six hours. Half, $30. half price. Yeah, so much for the for ten to twelve 10. hour thing. Yeah, I mean, it's probably 10 to 12 if you find all the artifacts and stuff, <laughs> but who, <laughs> who does, does that, that the first time through? <laughs> like, I probably will go back through and find all the collectibles oh, really? eventually. I usually do that. With I do, Look, man, Uncharted 4 is the only one I haven't, I've only played once. Oh, really? Every other Uncharted game I've finished at least twice. Wow. I've played the first two, like, I think five times each. I love the... the five times each? Yeah, wow. I love them. Like, so I think I played them when they came out, and I, I re- replayed them on hard, and uh, I think I played through them again when Uncharted 3 came out, and then I replayed them all again when the uh, the the up, yeah, they yeah, the collection came out, yeah. and then I went through one and two again uh, last year. Wow. I love Uncharted one and two. Uh, yeah. Three I don't like as much, but I still like it a lot. Yeah. Um, but four just I just don't. Four left me ice cold. I don't I don't think it treated the characters properly. But I think this one. Treats Chloe properly. Okay. And uh, and Chloe, I mean, my favorite character. Everyone looks makes fun of me, but my favorite character in the series is Elena, uh, and I think Elena got disrespected. That's why I like it. Uncharted Three the most. Because she's not in it. No. Because she's, she's in absolutely. Because she's she, she's treated correctly in that. Yeah. Yeah. The one I love that one scene with her and uh, Nate. And Drake. Yeah. Where they're at the fence. Mm-hmm. I literally teared up during that scene. Oh, yeah, it's in a Uncharted great. 3. It's a great way to, to evolve that relationship without taking your time to show it evolve. It's like yeah. It, Hennig is brilliant. At and that. see, that's why I, and that's it, and four misses that. Why I liked Uncharted Three the most is because. They all have great set-piece moments. And it can, it can be argued, and I think successfully, that Uncharted 2 has the best set-piece moments. Mm-hmm. But I thought Uncharted 3 had the best story. And I it still had the great set-piece moments. And I just thought that you know the emotional impact and the overall impact of the third one hit me harder than the second. I and would, I totally realize you're splitting that. hairs. And no, I would, agree with, I would agree that Uncharted 3, emotionally and character-wise, has a, a harder-hitting and, and stronger story. Uh, but I don't... I, I wait for the day when some game tops that train sequence. Yeah, yeah. Because that I mean, there's no... Yeah, there's it's no one part. of the most amazing things I've ever played or seen in a game. And then when you in sit down time. with some of these guys and t- they tell you how they made it and what they had to do to make it, it gets even more impressive. It does, yeah. It's one of those few things where it's like, if you know how this was done, it's amazing. But if you don't know how it's done, it's still, still amazing. amazing. <laughs> it th- like, you know there's I something know. special happening in that yeah. scene. And I mean, the, 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 the tanker ship the, yeah. uh, thing in 3 is 
almost as the good. water it's filling almost up as all equally the chambers and everything. It's insane. Yeah. But uh, you know, four didn't focus on that. They wanted to have it more yeah, of a. I still love four though. Four. I mean, I, I would never. I would never call four bad. Yeah. I mean, it's fine, but it's just. It's not. It doesn't feel like Uncharted to me. The bar was real high. It was. <laughs> it still is. Still and is I think though. this one captures more of what I love about the old Uncharted games than four did. And uh, so I give it a thumbs up for that. I mean, I'm I'm going to keep playing it. It's thirty not, bucks more Uncharted for thirty bucks. Yeah. And hey. it's just, man, your P, if you have, especially if you have a PS4 Pro, like this thing. I mean, I think there's some a couple more impressive graphical moments so far in this than than most of what Uncharted Four had to offer. Especially, I mean, even just like walking around India, that's the, the, the back alleys. You're just you're just like, and the and the lighting and the there's one shot with one bit because everybody's kind of trying to get into their houses away from the rebels or whatever. Right. The, I don't know if it's the rebels in the middle. I think the rebels are safety. scrambling to say. And at one point, these two women run from like an alleyway corner through like in front of you into their house, mm-hmm. and they run in front of like a spotlight from like a, a checkpoint, uh-huh. and you can see kind of like their legs through the clothing they're wow. wearing. Like you can see like the silhouette of their actual bodies wow. through the fabric of the clothing. I was like, what? Like only a, naughty dog. And it's like a totally irrelevant to gameplay number, yeah, but it's like, what? but they're the only studio that does that stuff. It's amazing. Like it just yeah. it it looks. And you, that's also a reason why it can spoil a lot you of for their games, games are worth playing over and over again. Yeah. Because a lot of times your first time through, you won't even notice stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, do you play it again and again? Or you play like one section. If you die, that's another great thing about I don't mind dying in those games that much because the more you die on a section, the mm. more you start noticing the little stuff about oh, it. That, that's actually another thing is the checkpointing is really good. Okay. Like very granular. Like if you miss a jump... You're probably not more than two jumps behind where oh, you good. died. Like there, is there a lot of platforming in it? There's a fair amount of swinging around, and, and like in the open world stuff, there's a fair amount of swinging around. The thing is, it is not like difficult platforming, but it can be difficult to see where you need to go. That's uncharted. Know? Yeah, <laughs> the platforming is never um, actually difficult, especially because there's a you know there's a, there's sort of that established language of uncharted where like if it's is it, if it's yellow, that's where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. And while that's still somewhat there, it's not. Uh, Chloe, you know, Chloe doesn't see yellow the way Nate does apparently. <laughs> Um, so sometimes it's just like, you know, you can tell because, like, that ledge is straight. Right. And it's, like, a different slight color. But like, I've missed those ledges a few times. Or I'm like, where do you want me to... Oh. I guess, yeah. you know, it's That's that happened kind of to me in all those games in that series. Um, so, so yeah, but a lot of times you'll just, like, you'll take the shot and you won't make it. But, like, you, it, it, you, a couple times on Uncharted 4, I know it would kind of start me by the Jeep. Right. And, like, this one always starts me pretty much either at the jump or, like, one or two behind. And I never feel like I have to slog my way back through uh, a lot of stuff I already did. So Well, it is next on my list to play. So when I finish Observer, and I think Observer's probably only another hour or two long, mm. um, I'll be jumping on this. And uh, this will probably be a game we will discuss next week for episode 100, mm. at least for a little bit, once you've finished it. And by then, I will have finished it as well. Yeah, so. hopefully I have, I have time to finish it. People should buy it. Um, just based, or based upon what you played already for thirty bucks. I mean, if you liked Uncharted and loved liked Uncharted Four, it's a no. Absolutely buy it. If you didn't like Uncharted Four, I would still say it's worth trying because if you didn't like Uncharted Four for kind of the focus on the Drake brothers over the exploration kind of Indiana Jones thing, uh, I think this one recaptures that very well. I guess the only reason I'd say don't buy it is if you hate Chloe. Oh. But if you hate Chloe. That's your problem. Yeah. I don't see it. I think there's too many people who would say that. I don't that. think so. I, yeah. like, I, like, I like both of them, to be honest with you. All right. It's time for our trailer of the week. 
You already know. I was going to say, I'll give, yes, you, right one, I'll yeah. give you one guess which trailer of the yeah. week we're running. Uh, look, if there's one champion of our trailer of the week at this point, who is it? It is Blizzard. We've shown more trailers for Blizzard on uh, Game Face than any other publisher by a wide margin, and we are just adding on to its lead today. Because at Gamescom, and actually, Blizzard has been on a tear at Gamescom. Mm. We didn't even really talk about Blizzard at Gamescom. But, man, it has just been lighting it up. It's made tons of announcements. They're making tweaks to over tons of stuff from Overwatch. Here's another thing. Uh, the Overwatch Rise and Shine animated short. It shows the origin story of May. Um, and I never would have guessed that this would be May's origin story. Mm-hmm. Like, just have, playing her in the game, seeing the other cinematics for the game, I never dreamed it would be like this. But here it is. Rise and Shine animated short for Overwatch. We're still in the middle of this massive ice storm. It's crazy. We missed our resupply window and we're low on rations. So Captain Opara is having the team hibernate. Come on, May. Cryo chamber time. Already? Huh. An hour ago. Be right there. Snowball, give me my socks back. I'm leaving the sensors on, so when we wake up, I'll have a whole new data set to examine. Hey, Snowball. No. <laughs> Rise and shine, sleepy head. what our new dataset looks like. Hmm. The atmospheric fluctuations above the anomaly have gotten... <gasps> it's much worse than we predicted. We have to get this to headquarters. Where is all this data coming from? Snowball, how long have we all been asleep? <coughs> what? No! Overwatch would have come for us. Comes down. Calm? Nobody even knows we're here. Wait a minute. Where is everybody?
Ada. I could save millions of lives. I'll take her work to the world, my friends. I mean, I will try. She's broken. How do we get this data out? We're here. Thank you, Snowball. At least I still have you. <laughs> Let's see if we can make the batteries last a little longer. Wait, what is this? This is broadcasting on the Overwatch emergency frequency. <gasps> Maybe someone knows we're here. If I could just. Snowball, we're not on ice yet. was the last battery, wasn't it? I can't believe I forgot about the batteries! Without power, we're dead. There has to be a way. Think, 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 think. I just needed a little more time.
on, come on. Winston? Oh my gosh! Come on! People decided they were better off without us. They even called us criminals. They tore our family apart. But look around! Someone has to do something! We have to do something! We can make a difference again. The world needs us now, more than ever. Are you with me? Yes, Winston. I am with you. So Matt, when do you think Blizzard is just going to make a full-on Overwatch movie? Uh, too late to matter. If what Warcraft, do you mean? If Warcraft is any indication. But it didn't really make that movie, though. Yeah, but like, here's the thing: like, they don't seem like Warcraft should have been a CG movie. I think if I think if if Blizzard made an in-house CG motion picture of Overwatch and they made it in time to catch the superhero boom before that fades away. Yeah. It would, they would have a giant hit on their hands. Because I think Overwatch's lore is more compelling than anything else they have. Oh, I'd agree. Um, a million percent. And it fits sort of that bright, bouncy, sort of, like, Big Hero 6 thing, but it also, like, it, you know, Pixar-style tugs. If you told me that was made by Pixar, I'd believe you. Yeah. Well, like, they also put out a great cinematic for Hearthstone yeah. at Gamescom. Well, cinematic. It was like a Disney CG. Yeah. It even had, like, a musical number in it. Like, I know that's not really their business, but, like... If you could, if you made like a like a uh, you know a CG uh, Overwatch movie, and you could shop that around to any studio in Hollywood, and they would snap it up immediately. Immediately, because it would be it would I think it would be huge. And they obviously have the facilities and the capabilities to yeah. do it. So the the question is, the does, thing, I mean, is investing all that time. I mean, that's the thing is, I, I think worth the money you're going to make. No, I think it's, um, it might be worth the money, but the thing is, I don't think that's what their company is. You know, it's like, not. like the yeah. CG is the CG department is there to support the games. It's not there to make their own motion pictures. Their CG department is huge. Yeah, gigantic. It is one floor of a building the size of a football field. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is, I remember uh, years ago, a few, several years, ago, like seven years ago or something like that, around the time of Diablo three. Uh, I met one of the guys, it was at a party, it, just, it wasn't an industry thing, it was just at a party, I met one of the guys who works on 
he worked on Blizzard in his CG team. He made yeah. some of the cinematics in Diablo 3, and I was like, man, you guys do the best stuff the in the industry. Work in the it's industry. unbelievable. Yeah. And he said, can you please tell my bosses that? Because every couple of years, they <laughs> have a whole round of meetings about whether they should eliminate us or not. Yeah. And I'm like, that would that's be insane. Ins- I, that's, why don't you just eliminate the, the, the artists yeah. or, the, or the guys who do the, the online code at that point? That's part of why Blizzard that's works. That's what makes Blizzard great. Blizzard shouldn't mess with anything. No. Formulas, formulas work. Formulas work in Blizzard. I don't know if you've see, noticed. See, that's the case of people just tinkering because they think they need to tinker. Yeah. And it happens in every corporation. You have these people who maybe don't have enough to do and they're bored at their jobs. And they're like, hmm... Where can I go stick my stick in the hornet's nest mm. and cause some problems? It's like, no, everything's good. Like Everything's fine. You really, everything's going great. Like, let's just keep it going. Like, yep. if, if things start to go south, then we'll start looking at changing things. Like, I mean, you do have to keep ahead of potential problems, yeah, yeah. but it's like... And I know the CG wing of Blizzard must cost a lot of money. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like one of the reasons Overwatch became as popular as it did is because those trailers they started putting out even before the game came out, it set the tone, it let you know the characters, it it, it, it told you enough but left you wanting more. Like, it it just really, you know, because like it, it elaborates on the central themes of the game. Like, the central theme of the game is, is very much about humans and their relationships with robots. Yeah. Um, there's a whole thing in the backstory of that, whereas, like, the, the main theme of the of the game itself is get the fuck on the payload. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of, you know, nuance to, yeah. to that. But, like, the fact that they've surrounded the game with that is one of the things that keeps the fans talking about the game when they're not playing the game. You're absolutely right. And that's key. Like, that keeps, it gets people excited about the characters they play as. It gets people excited about... Further revel- revelations and, and developments, and what's the next character going to be? It's not even that the next character is going to be cool because he, all the things that character is going to be able to do in the game. But you want to find out who they are and wh- what they're like and how what the, what's their relationship to all the other characters. Like it changes the world, not just in the sense that like it changes the meta of the game you play. It changes like the lore and what you talk about and how your view on the world and the view on all the other characters is it's it's brilliant and if they did it on purpose it's amazing and if they didn't they clearly figured out what they were doing yeah. at a certain point and realized this is the winning strategy what's um, crazy to me is that blizzard is so good at crafting characters that you know i never really played world of warcraft i tried to play it multiple times i'd play it for 10 hours and quit i never got into the story or the lore of it or anything mm-hmm. and so a lot of times we get these trailers coming in from blizzard and blizzard for whatever reason whenever it uh gives its trailers titles and descriptions, it shares like nothing. So I have to do a lot of research for World of Warcraft stuff when their media comes in for curation. And these names of these characters, like I can't even hardly pronounce Mm -hmm. them. But when I start doing research trying to figure out who they are and how they relate to the game, it is mind-blowing that there are these sites just for that one character. And that just has like... It's insane. Like, only Blizzard can do that. Create these characters with the most unforgettable names, or the most forgettable names, the most unforgettable personas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Warcraft is the one area I don't really know. Like, all that stuff sort of Everything's like, Kha'Zigate In any, like, fantasy thing, there's going to be a lot of apostrophes. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> like, when I saw the Warcraft movie, I came out and I looked a bunch of stuff, and it's like, all that stuff was already part of the lore. I had no idea. But anyway. I could, by the way, I could not even finish the Warcraft movie. Oh, it was awful. I tried... I went back to that movie three times, and every time I, the, I started, I watched the first like forty minutes before I quit. I went back, I watched the next like fifteen minutes before I quit. I went back and watched another ten minutes, and was the like, "Funny I thing am is, like, I, I walking out of it, I was like, you know, I would have liked that movie a lot better if it was just about the orcs." 
Yeah. Like the CG orc family was like the best character you know, you're right. in the game. Like in the, those, in the whole thing. I'll tell you what, some of those CG scenes with the orcs in their home are like they're great. They're just mind obliterating, yeah. not mind blowing. And then they, like, and then somehow they cut to the oh, real human oh, actors and you're like, I don't believe you're yeah, real. I, I don't know. you you don't strike me as a real person in the way that CG orc just did. I don't know what's happening <laughs> Crazy. here. It is. All right, let's get into our QA. We have a ton of questions. Uh, as I mentioned last week, get on our Discord chat. I am in there pretty much all week, off and on. I'll pop in and chat. Sometimes I'll post links for stuff that we just curated that's really hot that just came through. Uh, but there are people in there chatting all day, every day. And even like some nights during Gamescom, I would pop in there to say goodnight, and like five people would be like, goodnight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? It's four in the morning. So uh, hop into our Discord. Uh, it's very easy to find. It's in the top image carousel on the homepage. Click on there, go in. There's a bunch of great people in there talking about games and a bunch of other stuff. So, And this is where we got the bulk of our questions today. Uh, the first one from Super Cordon Blue. Uh, do you think Microsoft will abandon the console market in favor of the Windows Store slash Steam if the Xbox One X does not prove to be a huge success? No. No. I think, I think they'll try one more. They haven't taken over the living room yet, damn it. Yeah. I mean, it's been their goal all along. I mean, I know, I know for a fact that basically the, the Xbox initiative began as Bill Gates saying, we need to own that in the 21st century, yeah. do it at all costs, yeah. which is why it doesn't really matter to Microsoft that they've never really made a profit on the Xbox. But I don't think the Xbox One X is their last shot. I, I, no. feel, I feel they've got another system or two in them, even if the Xbox One X bombs, which it doesn't look like it's going to. No. But um, well, is it going to beat the PlayStation 4? No. No. I don't know. I don't know if we're safe to say it's not going to bomb yet. I think there's still a lot mm-hmm. left to be proven there. Hey, but. It's already the fact that it's selling out its pre-orders is already better than I, th- I thought it would do. Yeah, that but doesn't, it, that doesn't mean again, it's going to be a back, success. Again, going back, I don't know how many units there are there, and it's like you know people are freaking out about Japan because there's lotteries for the mm-hmm. Switch, but there's only twenty-eight thousand units a week, or so. Right, but like what I'm saying is, I didn't even think it would be that popular. So it's, it's already ahead of where I thought Your expectations were so low. Yeah. Like, I really didn't think that there was a market for a $500 system that doesn't really do anything different except make it look slightly prettier on a 4K TV. Yeah. But apparently I was wrong, so... Uh, well, I, knew, I know there's hardcore Xbox fans out there that are going to snatch it up no matter what. Yeah. You can just be unsifted and you can see people filtering in being like, hey, why are you so harsh? And it's like, we're just telling the truth. Like, we're just calling it like we yeah. see it. I mean, you should see... I, I have... Well, I probably have over 200 Xbox 360 games. I mean, the Xbox 360 was yeah, my system yeah. last generation. I mean, like, but I'm always going to go where the games, I'm not brand loyal in that regard, except to Sega. I'm not either. And really, brand loyalty to Sega for me mainly means I'll play almost anything they put out, but like, if it's not good, I'm going to tell you about it. It's like, you know, I don't, it, even, I, don't, I don't even think about what console a game is on when no. I'm playing it. That does not even enter my mind or my way of thinking. Like, it's just completely irrelevant. Well, completely. It's, only, it's relevant in the sense of, like, sometimes one, a game runs way better on one system or the yeah. other. Yeah, but, like, you know, I was playing Observer on PlayStation 4, and it was run, chug, like chugging right. along a certain point. Like, it's just... I don't know. I think it's just it just comes with playing games for a long time. Like after a while, you just get over the whole fanboy. I care about this. Well, platform. also once you get old enough that you can just buy all the systems that for helps yourself. It. Like right. you know, a yeah. lot of the the console warrior mentality comes from when you're kids and you can you have to pick one. You're right. Yeah. And, and you're you spend, a kid and you're yeah. immature. And, and you spend a lot of time convincing yourself you made the right choice. Yeah. 
for sure. Um, I don't think Microsoft gets out of the console business until there is no console business. That's yeah. my take. And that could be not that long from now. I mean, Pactor's been talking about it for <laughs> the last two yeah, and a half years. Yeah, I don't years. know if I buy a lot of it. I mean, it's like he talks about building the console hardware into the TV, but it's like, I, that's... that's Steam all. Link's already being built into TVs. Yeah. It's already, that's a baby step towards it. But uh, you still got to have PC to run it. Yeah. And that's a whole separate infrastructure. Like We're not going to get into PAC's CPU, GPU thing again. Right. <laughs> he, he, no, you... You don't even realize. So, people, you know, there's a lot of cutting that goes on with Pactor's show. Like, he sits down and he records. And he records for each for each show at least a half an hour. Mm-hmm. At least. And the shows end up being anywhere from 12 minutes to 19 minutes, roughly. And I guarantee with every batch of shows, he, talk, he does the CPU, GPU discussion mm. every time. And I left it in. We left it in like the first couple times. And now as soon as he starts on it, and I'm even sitting there like while he's recording it, I'm like, here we go again. Mm. He'll do the, we have, I have 29 CPUs and GPUs in my house. Mm-hmm. And he'll start pulling stuff out of his, this has got one, this has got one, this has got one. I think my favorite in the recent batch was when he, he did the thing where he pulled out the Halo ship and yeah. like opened it up. And, and he just left the box there for the <laughs> next two episodes. For the next like, episodes, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like, oh, the illusion's broken. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, we don't even try. I mean, he's wearing the same shirt. Right. That's more of the dead giveaway, really. Uh, but yeah, I think Microsoft's not going to leave the console business until no, there is one. And I think the console business will probably stick around for another decade. I know PAX has maybe a little less, but I think 10 years probably. Yeah. Uh, Tomb Raiders. What fall games do you think could be Dark Horses for Game of the Year award season? Um, I mean, the Shadow of War count? Because I feel I like that's not really a Dark Horse. Yeah, I don't even know what you would define as a Dark Horse. South Park, the fractured butthole, maybe that's a dark horse, yeah. I guess. I can't. I don't. That I, would be one of them, though. I don't. I, I get. I don't see a universe in which I would consider that for game of the year. But I mean, how else do you? But you have to think of a. That I think that's the defining characteristic of the question, though, is what is a game that you would not expect mm. to win game of the year that could. I don't know. I mean, I don't quite expect Shadow of War to do it, but I, I feel like it might be strong enough to do. Yeah, that's probably a good pick. Um, certainly not. I mean, granted, Shadow of Mordor did win as few, or at least it was did. nominated for those. At least it, it had enough, and it had a Game of the Year edition. Right. <laughs> like yeah, well, that doesn't other mean game. anything anymore. <laughs> it means nothing. But I was, to me, that was more of an indication of how weak that year was. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Whereas this is a strong year. Yeah. And uh, Shadow of but look, like, I mean, if a game comes out for the remainder of the year that I think is better than Horizon Zero Dawn, we are in 1998 territory here. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I guess Mario. I mean, Mario Odyssey is not a dark horse no, for Game of the Year. It would be probably one of the first. I winners. would be shocked if I liked it better than Zelda and uh, Horizon. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But that's just me preferring Zelda to Mario. Maybe Far Cry Five would be a dark horse. Zelda's next year. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's next year. Yeah, I think South Park is probably the only one I can come up with. Yeah, maybe if you really, really love Cuphead. There will be somebody who gives it Game of the Year. Probably. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, next, from Kadaz. Uh, I've been seeing more buzz surrounding Crunch during the final push to get a game certified and out the door. Uh, no doubt this was spurred on by the uh, feature mm-hmm. from Polygon, I think? Yeah, it was an excerpt from a book that another guy wrote who used to write. He's a writer for uh, Spec Ops The Line and Borderlands The Pre-Sequel and uh, Evolve. And a, He was at 2K for a long time. Yeah. And then he retired, or he quit, and... I think a few months later, he's like, oh, he's, he's writing a book, and this is the book, and it's basically about his time 
as a game writer, developer, slash producer. And there's a section on how he came to sort of, you know, his own personality type. Like, he, he loved crunch, uh, which is probably easier to say when you're a writer and not a coder. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a little different. Yeah. But um, Polygon printed the excerpt of it, which is called, like, Why I Love Crunch or Why Grunch is I Great right. or something. And like, yeah, and the and industry went bonkers. The industry went crazy because Crunch sucks. It does. So, uh, yeah. it's, and it's horribly inefficient and lazy to make a, a lot of people, you know, the, the quality also, no, of the code. They don't really need to. If the, right. If the, they had better project managers, they wouldn't have to right. go through Crunch. Well, also, if place. you do, cr- I mean, everyone who has ever been a project manager kind of popped out of the woodwork to say, like, yeah, if you actually compare code from before Crunch to during Crunch, like the code that comes during crunch is way more error prone and way you know people get tired and yeah. they get, they start making mistakes and it's yeah. not as good so like you spend you know all the time you think you're saving by working really hard to meet this milestone you're also spending more time cleaning everything up and so it doesn't and you're really also get creating you more work after the game launches when these bugs yeah. are inevitably found yeah and in the meantime you're sacrificing basically your lives and well-being and emotional and stra- it's, it's it's terrible. Like yeah. you know, I, we've never done crunch on that. I mean, we've done long days, long nights for like E3 or things like that back in the live production days. But I've never done. You know, we hear about these guys that like. Some we of never companies- finished the question actually. Yeah. Have either of you had experience with crunch yeah. and what does it entail exactly? Who gets worked the hardest and why? Yeah, it's like we've I, we've never done it like where, where you hear about companies, game dev companies crunching for you know a month or ninety days or six months or a year or. I mean, there are people who say that Naughty Dog is always crunching. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, the amount of hours that I've worked since Sifted launched, I've been in crunch since it launched. Mm. I mean, I don't exaggerate. But at least, but at least you're working for yourself. I am. Whereas and that like, makes a big difference. And the the the, the excerpt on on Polygon had a lot of really weird, uncomfortable phrase like like phrasings where it was basically like you should have pride that you're making this for like the, your corporate masters, basically, right. which is like no, like the, Well, I think that's the a guy, very different scenario from working for yourself. Yeah, I mean, as far as answering your question, have we ever experienced crunch? I, I mean, we had crunch. I mean, the closest thing you could get to it was like when you replatform a website and you have a deadline and you have sales and marketing that need the, the new ad products to start running because they have million dollar deals with a marketer or an advertiser that needs to absolutely start at this exact time on this exact day. <coughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's probably the closest I had to crunch. Uh, as far as at my job, other than Sifted, where I just feel like I've been living in crunch for like three or four years now. Um, but I think the best experience I have, and probably you have as well, as far as dealing with crunch on, in the, the purest form, as far as being a video game developer, is doing interviews with developers after they've finished the game. So not at the preview event, at like mm-hmm. the launch event, where they're there getting hammered. And you get like the little bit of time to talk to them before they're allowed to go get drunk. And it is weird too how they're handled, the developers, because like the PR people know that they want to get drunk. Mm-hmm. And and <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like they know that they have just come off this horrible like three months of their life and they just want to have get drunk with the people they've been working with. And so you get these interviews are short. Like you get like four or five questions and then the PR is like tugging on your shirt saying, Okay, you're done. The best part of those interviews, though, is when you finish the interview and he gives his little blah, blah, blah. It's coming out on blah, blah, blah for these platforms. Camera goes off, and then you talk to them. And this is why people ask me all the time, Shane, would you want to make game? They just recently, I remember like last year, someone was like, hey, Shane, you want to make a sifted game? Or do you want to make games? And I always say no. 
And people say, why? And well, one, it's because I went to school for journalism and I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I never was going to use journalism as a stepping stone to become a developer. But two, when you talk to these people, they're just broken. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just a shell. And a lot of times you'll see them multiple times because you'll see them at the debut event where they show off the game for the first time. Then you'll see them at a, at a convention like E3 or Gamescom and you'll interview them then. And then you interview them at the launch party. And the person that they started as at the mm -hmm. beginning and who they are at that launch party, it is like night and day. And you can, I mean, some of them will just tell you, like, it just sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone will ask, they'll be like, you ever thought about developing games? And you'd be like, nah, no, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the worst. And, like, I've heard that so many times from so many people, and most importantly, from people that I really respect, that I just want no part of it. It's mm -hmm. like Rohan, the guy who worked on Lawbreakers. I worked with him at GT for, like, six, seven years. Um, one of the most cheery, upbeat, positive people I have ever known in my life. Like, I don't think that guy ever had a bad day in his life. Some of you guys may know him as Rohan Loves Pants. He was the guy who produced uh, Pack Attack for GT. And uh, some of his tweets and his Facebook posts over the last two months, I've never heard Rohan say anything like the stuff he was saying. Just, you could just tell. He was just mm -hmm. beaten up. He had flown all over the world like 80 times and gone to all these conventions and been on panels and was producing the video and their trailers and, and being like the voice of, you could just tell it had just beaten him to a pulp. And uh, so while I've never crunched developing a game, I feel like I've been at least close enough to it on enough occasions to know that it is just terrible mm. and something that should be avoided. And I think the reason the industry reacted to this the way it did is because the guy was just blowing it off like it was no big deal. And to your point, a writer, really? Oh, you got to revise a line or something, bro? Mm -hmm. Oh, gee, you got to play the game a little bit? Like, the people who are coding, fixing the bugs, going through bug lists, the QA dudes who are sitting in the dungeon, running into a wall 85 times to see if it clips through the wall the 86th time, they're living in a different universe from this guy. Mm. And I think that's why you saw the backlash. Is because they're like, look, bro, you don't live in my world. You don't speak for me. Yeah. Like, and he backtracked. The author backtracked on Twitter very quickly about, like, oh, it was about my, you know, basically he, he framed it as, like, it was my delusion of why I liked it or whatever. And I'm just like, I didn't no, get that from the text. No, there were some lines in that article that were pretty bad. Yeah. Like, basically making people, trying to make other people feel bad for thinking Crunch sucks. Yeah, basically, like, the, the, the thrust of it seemed to be, like, if you don't love Crunch, you don't really love Making your games. product, your game. Yeah. You, you, you aren't dedicated to the, to the craft yeah. or something like that, which is just, like... It was a bunch of bullcrap. It's never... That's never true, nope. frankly. I mean, it's like... If you stuck around that long... It's like, just if because... If you made it to Crunch, you right. love your product. But also, it's just, like, just... Just because you don't want to sacrifice your your health and well being to something doesn't mean that you don't love it. Yeah. Like it just means like you got to work more sanely. Yep. And uh, it's like the old saying goes: work smarter, not harder. Not harder. And uh, it's it, yeah, that certainly could could help with uh, game development overall. But that's not going to happen until they unionize. Project managers got to get their craft together. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. There's no reason that they should have to do this game after game after game. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, next question from NeoJD. I think that's how I'm supposed to say it. Pactor's tried to say it before. I don't think he does it any better. So my apologies if I don't have it right. Uh, do you think we'll see any more big game debuts before the end of the year? 
No. Nope. This is it. After, provided something doesn't happen in the next couple days mm-hmm. at Gamescom. Oh, actually, no, we will. We'll see mm-hmm. probably at least There's one game debut at, at the Game Awards. Oh, yeah. There'll well, be something else at Game Awards. PlayStation Pro- Experience might have one or two. It might have something to TGS. But TGS doesn't really well, give you the big stuff right, anymore. Right, there will be something. But it'll be some obscure JRPG that, like, 5% of the Sifted audience actually Unless From about. Software finally comes through and tells Bloodborne what they're working on. No, well, whatever they're working on. I don't think it'll be Bloodborne Yeah, too. so I think at first I jumped the gun here and said no. But yes, I think we will see more game debuts before the end of the year. There's yeah, a lot of opportunities for There'll be something at Game still. Awards at the Definitely. very least. Oh, for, for sure. And PlayStation Experience, I mean, they skip, you know, Gamescom, really. Mm-hmm. And they don't really do anything there, so... Yeah, I could definitely see some more game debuts coming before the end of 2017. Or maybe just another game, Days Gone trailer. That could be, too. Um, O-Taps. Do you think it is odd that Sony's GT Sport Special Edition PS4 is the slim version and not the Pro? Why do you think Sony is not publishing Pro Special Editions? Are Special Editions of consoles something you'd like to see more of? Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe... Uh... Like the bundles are sort of more for for the the less Casuals. hardcore customers. So you want to. This is a good question, by the way. You want to sell off the the old ones first. Um, maybe the I feel the pro is selling fine as it is, although it doesn't seem like it. Like although it's still outselling the Xbox One X. Uh, um, on Amazon. Maybe it's a manufacturing thing. I'm guessing they've got a lot more slims to sell. I would think. Yeah, I mean, I just think that they're manufacturing more of them, mm-hmm. and therefore, because they're making more of them, their assembly lines and their production lines yeah. are probably more flexible. Well, also maybe like you know it makes it a more attractive price point because it's still less than the Pro, even when you're yeah. including the game. Whereas the Pro would be like, you know, you'd probably be paying four fifty for that at least. It also might be a case of we can't sell the Pro. How are we going to sell, like, a weird-looking Pro? Because some of these consoles are not... This is an exception, though. The GT Sport one, have you seen it? Mm -mm. It's all silver. Mm. It's really awesome-looking. But from what I remember, it's only coming to, like, Europe and Australia, though. Yeah, they do get better special editions over there. I don't know why that is, but... uh, Same with uh, Nino Kuni 2. The European Nino Kuni 2 special edition is way cooler. Yep. Um... This one in particular is awesome. I really wish it was coming to the U.S. I think it would sell really well. Uh, but as, as for why it's the Slim and not the Pro, I really have no idea, particularly mm-hmm. with this game. Yeah, this game feels like you'd want a Pro for it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it has been kind of one of the flagship PS4 Pro games all along, and it seems like it would make more sense for this one in particular uh, to come to PS4 Pro. But I think maybe you know they're probably producing so few PS4 Pros at this point that and they probably just have one line dedicated to it if they take that offline then they can't make <laughs> the base PS4 Pro mm-hmm. you have the slim you're making a lot more of those you probably have multiple lines you're making them from it's okay to take one offline to make that GT run for a day or two while you still got the other two trucking. This is just my guess, by the way. This is not factual. I don't know for sure. I'm just trying to figure it out because this is a really good question that doesn't have an easy answer. So that's my guess. Do you have any? Not really. I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable to me. I don't. Uh, or just the fact that like maybe they maybe they they have more flexibility in how they can mess with the old design because it's that's true. You know, less heat worries, less whatever. You know, they, yeah. they've they've got it down. They, the parts are cheaper. They can play around with it a little more. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what about the last part of the question? Uh, 
Are special editions of consoles something you'd like to see more of? I don't really care. I mean, it's like I, I tend to buy them at launch, and I don't replace them with a fancier version later. Although I did order the uh, the Metroid uh, 3DS. You did? Oh, that's awesome. That's a dope yeah. piece of hardware. Mainly because I know that one day my existing 3DS is going to die, and I'm going to need another one. Yeah. And that'll be the one I just sort of keep and use for my future 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 proof. I have never owned a special edition console. No, that's not true. I'm trying to think if I have. I bought, uh, not a console, I bought a Game Boy Advance at the Pokemon store hmm. in Japan because it was like this crazy metallic forest off green mm -hmm. that they only made like 2,000 of. And I've never even opened it. I brought it back from Japan, I put it underneath in our cabinet, and it has sat there ever since. The, the only special edition system I have of any kind before until I get that Samus 3DS is uh, the Famicom themed Game Game Boy Micro, uh, I which I that. got I got in Tokyo. I remember that. Uh, that's the only one of like that I have. Everything else, I think I have just the plain. I always have a launch unit. I always one. buy it at launch, and then I end up having it until it's until mm -hmm. it's done. Um, so I've never owned one. As far as the frequency, I think they get it just right. Yeah, they seem to have this down. It's just almost like a math equation at this yeah, point. Yeah, because it, the thing is, is the more you put out, the less special they become, and mm -hmm. people stop paying attention to them. But I feel like the platform holders are pretty darn good at figuring out, okay, it's time to introduce a new color, or a new theme, or a new special yeah. edition, and not flooding it so that it just turns into white noise that you don't notice anymore. Yeah, I never, although I do like, I kind of like to see them. I don't, yeah. I don't like buy them, but I do yeah. like to see them. Sure. I, I kind of, I kind of miss the days when like you could go to a Toys R Us and it was like every shade of the candy rainbow color of an N, of N sixty four and literally they like looked that. like yeah. candy. Yeah, they had like that see through shell that you yeah. could see because it was like sort of that same era of like the the, the iMac. Where the, yep. where the original yeah. IMAX showed up, and like so, suddenly it was like everything is like neon see-through plastic, and they had yeah. sixty-four, you know, like and I I knew people that collected them. Game Boy that, colors were like that. Yeah, Game Boy colors had that. Well, they uh, Game in Boy Japan, was like that. you get a lot more of this stuff in general. Right. Not just like special editions, but well, just more color. Like how many right. Vita colors are there in Japan? Yeah. Like ten. Well, it was like Japan. There was like the the burnt orange GameCube in Japan mm -hmm. that we never got here. Japan also loves like clear plastic. In, yeah. a way, in a way that America doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, that happens in toys, too. They just, there's a, I, have a, I have a third-party uh, Cyclonus toy that they just announced. They're doing a special edition of it, and it's entirely in see-through purple. And it's a $250 toy that, like, I'm like, is someone going to buy another one of those just to have it in see-through <laughs> purple? Like, that's... Because it's supposed to represent when he was scanned by Unicron or something. Right. And I'm just like, that is... Cr and the thing is... It sold out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, like, it's, it's going to be a collector's item. Yeah, it's like it's all supply and demand. It's not even official merchandise, but people love the see-through stuff, the, the clear stuff. People love it. And, uh, well, they like to see what's under I the hood. Would, whenever I see it, I always think of the N64. I always think of those 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 like those neon candy-colored N64s. You can see all the innards and stuff. They look better than that Pokemon N64. You remember that? Oh, with the with, Pikachu, Hey You Pikachu thing. Oh, that was <laughs> gross. That was super gross. Uh, Rex Fury, have you ever felt there is a genre that hasn't been tackled to your knowledge that you would like to play? For example, I would like to see a top-down bullet hell shooter with deep customization <laughs> RPG mechanics. <laughs> you just named like every genre in one. I mean, Nier comes oddly close. No, to you're that. right. Um, <laughs> hmm. You know what? I would. I would. I mean, it's not like super unique or anything, but I would love to play like an open world game like an open world ninja game 
that is like kind of you know has the action of Ninja Gaiden but the stealth of Tenchu. You know, it's really steeped in sort of the mystic sort of feudal Japan. Yeah, that's like, a good era. point, though. There's there has not been a ninja based no. action RPG. Like, like if you were going to give me like a like a just like Star Citizen's budget to make a, make a game, I would make that. Yeah. I would make an open world, basically drawn very drawing very very heavily from the original Ninja Gaiden on Xbox and the original Tenchu on PlayStation One. And I would make a giant open world, like Horizon Zero Dawn style world of uh, like feudal Japan with like a lot of magic and a lot of mythology in it. That would be that would be the game I'd make. I've been waiting for a legitimate sports RPG for forever. Mm. Uh, we're getting campaign modes now, which is great. And like I said on last week's show, Longshot is amazing. Um, but we have yet to get a full narrative driven RPG for sports that you play. The whole time as an RPG, like Long Shot's nice, but it's this kind of separate thing that's off to the side. I want a sports game where you're in it the whole time, and you play through a franchise mode as that character. You get traded to other teams, and you're still playing as that character. Mm-hmm. So that would be the dream for me. I think pretty much everything crossed with an RPG at this point. Yeah, it is tends kind to be that. I think the other thing I would want to do is, like, as a big Space Sim fan, like I think uh, Infinite Warfare came sl- like, brushed up against this, but yeah. I would love to be able to have like Wing Commander style, like dogfight stuff, but be part of a of an evolving like um, existing war, you know, and like, but you command that carrier you're in, and sort of you have to decide and follow orders or decide on your own where to go, what to fight. You know how to how to, which task force to join like that kind of thing. Kind of a like I don't know how I describe it, but sort of sort of a like a like a, like a turn based strategy slash action dog fighting space sim thing. Like I guess Crusader Kings, but with like or I guess uh, it'd be like um, what we talked about with uh, uh, Aztez. Yeah, we're kind of like, like there's a strategy layer, but everything's decided by your action like right. action game stuff. Yeah. yeah. So something like that, but with space sims would be, I think, my uh, one of my ideas. Maybe like Sins of a Solar Empire, but the battles are decided in in real time. I guess House of the Di- House of the Dying Sun brushes up against that a bit too, but not to the degree that I would I I want it to be. Like not the granularity I'd want it to be. I need more action RPG in that thing. Okay, uh, Francis Alex. Uh, with the just announced crossover between, and did you see this today, by the way? No, I didn't see this. <laughs> it, it was just announced. He literally, this was curated to the site, and two minutes later he asked this question. Uh, with the just announced crossover between Assassin's Creed and Final Fantasy XV, believe it or not, that is 100% true, what do you think are the benefits of doing this kind of thing, besides the obvious cross-promotion between franchises? And do you see more devs and publishers doing events like this in the future? So what is it? Like so it's, costumes it's for Final Fantasy XV, and it's mini-games and costumes, mm. essentially. But I they mean, put out a trailer today that makes... Mm. It's crazy. It makes, it's Assassin's Creed and Final Fantasy XV. It's the craziest mashup I've seen in a really, mm. really long time. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, Ubisoft seems to really get along with the Japanese companies in a way that most Western companies don't. Yeah. Um, they've had they have this relationship with Nintendo. They're doing the Mario Rabbids thing. It's not the first time Assassin's Creed has crossed over with a Japanese game because uh, you could wear the Assassin's Creed robe in Metal Gear Solid Four because right. Kojima worked worked with them on kind of the open world idea. Yeah, um, there's a story that goes that like basically Metal, the Metal Gear Solid Five team or Four team had told Kojima what he wanted to do was impossible, and then he saw Assassin's Creed at E3 and was like, "They just did it, yeah. so <laughs> don't lie to me." And like. So that was one of the reasons four got delayed right. is they basically tore it apart and made it, yeah. you know, more closer to that kind of idea. And um, 
one of the reasons you can wear that robe is because Ubisoft helped them out on that. Right. And uh, so this seems like just kind of another step in Ubisoft's ability to kind of work with these Japanese companies in a way that very few people on, on the other side of the Pacific have figured out. It's more beneficial to Ubisoft than it is I think so. Square it, Enix. It, it, any kind of exposure to Western game, game uh, IPs you can get in Japan, I think, is a good thing because there's so much resistance to accepting a lot of that stuff. And I don't know how Assassin's Creed sells over there, but I can't imagine it's tremendous. It's, look, it's not just in Japan. Though. This is happening... Everywhere, yeah. Everywhere. And I'm just saying it's more beneficial to Ubisoft because... Final Fantasy XV's already made its money, or mm-hmm. not made its money. It, there'll be sales trickling in here or there. This is not going to change that. But that whole other audience of people, there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who only play final, like Japanese games, reaching that whole other audience of people with your IP, just before your IP is about to launch, by the way. Yeah, well, I feel like... Hugely beneficial for the, Ubisoft. The flip side of that is I feel like the people who only play... It's not like they don't know Assassin's Creed is a thing. You know, it's like... Um, there are people out there who may not know a new one's coming, though. Yeah, uh, be hard to miss. But uh, I, I mean, it does make sense in the, in the way that like they're re- kind of relaunching Assassin's Creed here, and they need all the help and all the eyeballs they can get. So why not put it into Final Fantasy? Fif- I guess Final Fantasy Fifteen, because it's like, is that really going to get you a whole lot of you know? I don't know how w- widely played Fifteen is right now, but uh, I feel like the ship's kind of come and gone on that game. Yeah. But uh, sure, why not? Well, the, the, I think the idea is that they have all this DLC that's coming out for Final Fantasy XV mm-hmm. still. And so it's still a viable platform right. to for I mean, it's, it's a decent synergy where it's like it gets Final Fantasy XV players to be aware of Assassin's Creed Origins. Maybe someone who likes Assassin's Creed but is done with Final Fantasy XV, like me, would, would potentially boot up Final Fantasy XV again to see the Assassin's Creed stuff. Right. Um, which I probably won't do. But like, right. it's, it's, You probably I, won't. I, I, I'm probably more of an exception there. Um, also, I think... I think someone else still has my copy of Final Fantasy. I, I let some borrow that, that my copy of Final Fantasy fifteen, uh, like at the end of last year, and I still don't have it back. And it's you don't remember not, who you loaned it to? Not, no, I do, but it's not really something I mind. Oh. It's, just like, it's like whatever. It's like, Give me that back so I can nah, never play it again. No, right? you'll probably want it back someday. One day. Um, do you see more devs and publishers doing events like this in the future? In the future, this stuff is happening yeah, still, all over the place. Like that's one thing I would say about this generation. It's been the generation of sharing is caring mm-hmm. because you're seeing crossover characters going everywhere. I mean, Japan again, more prevalent there. But there's a fighting game that's coming out here in the next like six months. That's like all the indie stars mm-hmm. in one fighting game. Like you're just you're seeing. Like, Shovel Knight in every game. Like, Shovel Knight is in, like, ukulele. Like, it's just the yeah. crossover. We've never seen anything like this. And the this. Xbox One X guys even even said they are actively talking to Sony about trying to get that cross-play thing yeah. work. I mean, this could be a real landmark generation for, uh, you know, companies cross-promote. Because they're hitting a point where I, th- I think uh, everyone's starting to realize, like, we're all in it together. Yeah. You know, and their competitors... But they got to keep it, you know, they got to help each other out a little bit, too. Yeah. In, in this, in this Sony seems to be the last one to get it, though. Yeah, well, Sony doesn't need it. Sony's, <laughs> right. Sony's the one to lead. how quickly it forgets how fast the tide yeah. can turn. And so what happens if next generation, Microsoft is a leader, and Sony's like, can we play with your people? And Microsoft's like, ha, ha, ha. Microsoft's like, yes, but you have to put the Xbox logo in the corner at all times. <laughs> If, you know, you gotta have you gotta have a long memory in this industry. I mean, you can't yep. act like oh, we're the winners now. I think we see a little bit of that going on in the uh, United States of America right now. Mm. 
Uh, here's one from iPerky. Do you think that PUBG's... Uh, I've now resigned myself to calling it PUBG. It's poo bug forever. Poo bug. Pu- pu- <laughs> PUBG seems to be what everyone's going yeah, with. PUBG is the is the standard, I think. And I cannot keep calling it Player Unknown's Battleground. So there you go. Do you think the PUBGs can make a difference for the X or Microsoft, considering that they don't have much more exclusives? <laughs> I feel like I should read that question again because <laughs> I feel dirty having read it. But I think we get the gist. Yeah, of it. I understand what the. Is, is, is PUBG going to make a difference for Xbox One X or Microsoft? But considering that it doesn't have a, a lot of other exclusives. Yes. Maybe? Yes. This, yeah. It's the killer app. Yes, absolutely. This is what is going to make everything for Microsoft in Q4. And look, Sony may get PUBG in January. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If Microsoft is smart, it will milk the living crap out of this. It should market it from every rooftop. I mean, it's the only console that has the game, and it is the biggest game. It's like Pokemon Go last year. Like, by the Mm -hmm. time this year wraps up, what's going to be, whether it's the best game or not, what is going to be the biggest story of 2017 is probably going to be PUBG. I mean, it's this little game that was started by one dude, and then it is just a phenomenon. Have you been playing it at all? No, I still haven't played it. You still haven't played it at all. It's too expensive for my taste. You should give it a whirl. But anyway. I will eventually, but it's like for that amount of money, a game that's all multiplayer only is not interesting to me. It's huge. It I is, know it's huge, but yeah, it's not my thing. Yes, I think it's going to make a huge difference for Microsoft. I think it's the Microsoft saving grace. It is its cape that's going to keep it from crashing onto the ground. Um the worst thing that could happen to Microsoft is that the Xbox One X version or Xbox One version gets delayed out of this year. That would be mm. a disaster. And if, I, if I'm if i Phil Spencer, for, some, for whatever reason, the last couple of weeks, I just keep injecting myself into Phil Spencer's brain. But if I'm Phil Spencer, I am going to Blue Hole and I am saying, what do you need? Mm-hmm. How many engineers do you need? How many programmers do you need? How many artists do you need? You tell me. We'll send them, because this is going to save Microsoft's Q4, guaranteed. This game is going to sell, it has sold 8 million copies, this game on PC. It is going to explode on Xbox. If Spencer's smart, he would also throw a ton of money at Blue Hole to never release it for the PlayStation. I mean, this Mm. could be a game changer for Microsoft, literally. Um, so they got, they started right. They got in early. They made some kind of a deal with them to bring it to Xbox One exclusively. They need to go the extra mile. One, to make sure it's great. Two, to make sure it comes out on time. And three, to make sure Sony never gets it. That's, it, it's huge. Good question. Even though it I don't took, know if that amount of money exists. To keep it away from to Sony? To keep it away from Sony forever. I mean, like a year, maybe? Yeah. Because, like... I, w- I would probably try to go for a year just because there's the possibility that like the the furor over it will die out by then but you've you'll have had it during the the peak the hot part I don't think this is gonna go away I think this is gonna be like the hottest eSports game going hmm. at least as far as shooters are concerned for the next for the foreseeable future um, they just had their first tournament and it was a disaster yeah <laughs> it was so bad. Production values were terrible. Everything about it was bad. I'm but. interested to see what happens when like the big boys start putting out their versions of that mode and like Call yeah. of Duty and Battlefield and all those things. And if it, did it already be the champ? If it'll matter, if it if it will matter, might. 
It's it's kind of like you've already crowned the champ, though. Mm-hmm. And it's going to keep getting better. I mean, the one thing I will say about PUBG is that... And they they just said at Gamescom that the updates are going to start slowing down a little bit. But over the last like couple of months, it's literally like every other like week there's a new update for it. So they've been doing... I think they see that, wow, we've captured lightning in a bottle here. And... There are all these other people with way more resources than us who mm-hmm. can make a much better game if we don't get our crap together and make this game as good as possible. It was that's one one of, one of the parts of Microsoft's press thing at Gamescom that I thought was really interesting was when they asked <laughs> Player Unknown why the game was popular and he looked at them and said, "I have no idea." <laughs> he was just completely honest. He's just like, "I don't know." I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened, but thank God it did. I love people like that because some people get up there and be like, "Oh, I knew all along," and yeah, I watched Battle Royale back mm-hmm. in the '80s. And well, I, think I, I think it's mainly a combination of the fact that like the the nature of the game mode just ratchets tension up constantly. It does by design. And, and then yeah. when you die, it just throws you in another game. Yeah, you don't like, have to sit like there. You never and have to sit around and watch. Like, and you don't. <laughs> have, you don't have to see who the winner, winner, chicken dinner is. No. You can just move on and keep playing. And try and again. I think, I think the fact that it's constantly, it's constantly making sure you have something to play and making it interesting in that regard, and constantly ratcheting up the tension. No matter how well you do, you're always under threat. Uh, in a way that like. Could come from anywhere, and and, and I, I think just the, the the flow of the game plus the flow of how the game throws you into a new game when you when you fuck up, like I think uh, I think that's the main thing. You know, the person who won the tournament, by the way, won by hiding. Oh yeah, <laughs> they hit the whole time. It won. It's not a great indictment. Well, that's why game. Brent has that rule. Yeah. So you can't hide. If you see somebody, you have to go. Is that what yep. that way doesn't yeah, mediocre, yeah. Mon- mediocre Mondays? If you, if you see, see somebody, somebody you has to go try him. to kill him. Yep. And That's sometimes it. he accidentally sees somebody. He's like, "Oh, I gotta go kill that guy." <laughs> if I can even find him. Well, then you have people in the chat saying, "There he was." <laughs> you know, Brent sometimes sees people. He's like, "Oh, I didn't see him." And then the I chat's like, "There he was," and you're like, "Crap!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, don't forget every Monday, mediocre Mondays, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight. Did he, he did Dark Souls three this week. He did a Dark Souls three challenge this week where he could only use the bow. Mm. Then he took down like three bosses in an hour. With using just a bow. Yeah, if you know how Dark Souls works, you can handle just about anything. I was impressed. Brent did a great job on that. Keep watching. This Monday he'll be back. Um, and the cool part, too, is you guys can vote on what he plays next and what the challenge is. So we're, we're going to kind of keep going with like these challenge episodes where you guys challenge him to do something and he gives it a go. So here's our last question from Vic 7 Well, games as a service... And the continued dominance of GTA Online make it difficult for even Rockstar themselves, or itself, to top, to top it with Red Dead 2 and GTA 6. Does its success validate games as a platform being more lucrative than annual biannual releases? I think it does. If you talk to 2K... If you talk to them, yeah. I, I don't think Rockstar is... Like, I think no matter what they do, Rockstar is an outlier. Like... Like, I, I would never take Rockstar as a no, template. No, you can't for use anything. anything that Rockstar does and yeah. say it's going to work the same for someone else. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Red Dead 2 is really uh, going to be affected too much there, but I do think whatever GTA 6 is has to be a much more complete package than what GTA 5 launched as. Yeah. Because um, GTA 5 kind of slowly grew itself into what GTA Online is now. And. I don't think people are going to be patient. Like no one's going to wait a year for the heist update this time. You know yeah. that thing has to launch with a with a complete satisfying single player game and a complete satisfying online game. 
and you know even if they're just sort of continuing the same ideas into the new game and adding the, the newer content later uh, I think the pressure is definitely on for GTA 6. Well, I would say this. I would say the one th- the GTA 4, Rockstar got more money from me mm-hmm. other than what I spent on the base game. GTA 5, they never got another penny from me. That's true, but I, I feel like we're weird there. Are we? Well, they must be getting money I mean, I'm somewhere. not denying they're not making money. They are making money mm-hmm. hand over fist, but... I would have much preferred like an equivalent of, of Ballad of Gay Tony and uh, um, Lost and Lost and Damned. Yep. I would prefer single player content there. I mean, it seems like the core folks—that's how they feel. The more casual players are just mm-hmm. happy to play GTA online and buy a new hat or. So I think the pressure's on for GTA Six, but yacht. at the same time, I don't think anybody's going to not buy it. Yeah, I mean it's GTA. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, this is a bad example. It's a good example, but a bad example. It's a good example because it illustrates how a game was taken over by microtransactions. Mm-hmm. But it's a bad example in that it, the game that is used is a game that's going to sell no matter what. Yeah. It is. If there's one license to print money in the video game industry, mm-hmm. that's it. And at this point, I feel like I don't know if people are buying a copy for every house and every room in the house, or I what's. I mean. With, it's as mysterious to me as like back when PlayStation Two kept it was still selling you know tons and tons every month, and I was like, who doesn't have this? Yeah, I, I mean the GTA thing is mind-boggling. It, it really is. Like who doesn't have this game by now? Twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really crazy. yeah. I have a, tw- I have a 360 and PS4. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kudos to Rockstar. Every once in a while, I've considered buying the P- PC version. Have you? But I, I'm just like, nah, I'm never. I, can't, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. I've already completed 100. percent It's twice. a huge game too. It takes a long time yeah. to 100 percent that sucker. All right, so that's it. Great questions, guys. Another great round of questions. Maybe we shouldn't do chat questions anymore. We should ask for them in advance. Oh, chat's not going (laughs) to like that. I'm sure we'll get comments underneath the episode uh, for my statement there. We will do chat comments. Uh, As I said, next week, episode 100. Hard to believe we made 100 episodes, and we wouldn't have done it without you guys. So thank you very much uh, for your support, moral support, financial support, the whole nine yards. Things are going to be changing here, folks. So this is really... This is kind of the last game phase under the old guise of Sifted, the old financial structure of Sifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, by next week, we should be moving to our Patreon. Um, and just kind of a precursor to that, when we do launch a Patreon, share, 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 share. All over social media, wherever you see it, share it, share it. Um, as you guys know, it's really make or break for Sifted at this point. Um I know this has kind of dragged on a little bit, and it's like we had all these episodes of Pactor Factor going on YouTube where he's like, oh, this is the next to last episode. This is the last episode, and <laughs> now we're shooting another round of uh, episodes tomorrow. Um, but if we don't hit our goal on our Patreon, we're going away. It's not a joke. It's not It's not a ruse. So, um, don't appreciate your ruse, ma'am. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I think I will say is my wife... She's had some crazy stuff going on at her job over the last, like, uh, month and a half or two months. And uh, she's like, you know, the thing about pressure is you don't realize how much is on you until it's gone. Mm. And in that moment when it's gone, you really realize, oh, my God, that was weighing on me so hard all this time. And I feel like I'm in the same place with Sifted, and I'm about to get that relief one way or another. Either we're going to make enough money that the site can be sustainable and it's going to work, or... I can finally close the door on it and I can move on. So it's scary in a lot of ways, but I also feel like no matter what, within a week or so, and and I think we'll know pretty quickly with the Patreon whether it's going to work or not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
within a week, I think we'll know whether the Patreon's going to work. Um, one way or another, I'm going to have some closure on this. So um, I'm scared, I'm excited, I'm nervous all at the same time. But in a lot of ways, I'm just relieved to finally end the struggle. I mean, it has been so hard, man. Like, I have worked so hard and so long, and I can't keep doing it. And that was one of the big reasons why this kind of had to happen. So um, when everything happens next week, and, you know, we'll probably talk again before then, but I just wanted to kind of put it out there. Like, we need all your help when the Patreon launches. Like, talk up the site, share it. Liking doesn't do anything. And that's the problem. Like, share. It's like we put up the big six on Facebook, and people like it, but they don't share it. The sharing mm. is the key. Uh, tweets, you know, liking tweets, that's great, we appreciate it, but like it, then share it, retweet it. That's what makes the difference. That's how you get the pin action. You start here, and then it splinters off, and then if it splinters off again, it can splinter off again and again and again, and that's how you get sort of that mass uh, response to something. So just asking for one last little help over the finish line here, folks, and see if we can make it happen. So I do want to thank you again. We never would have made it to 100 episodes without all you guys. You guys have been incredible. Um, Crazy thing is, I think I'm going to actually have lunch with a sifter here in L.A. on Saturday. Hmm. One of them is in town for their honeymoon with their wife, their new wife. Uh, I don't know if she's going to come along. but uh, <laughs> Either way, that's a little, uh, it's a hard conversation to introduce. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as we're here. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have lunch with a sifter in L.A. this weekend as well. Uh, but thank you guys very much. Thank you for watching, as always. Uh, thanks for your great questions. I will see you next week for episode 100. Game Face is up and out.